Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly dee. Smack him on God. My name is Ralph Vieira, also known as Dr. Fuckalicious, and with me is... Oh, yeah! Wadzilla, baby! What's up, Ralph? How you doing? That was kind of a pause, what you did, but that's okay, because you're fucking legendary, bro. You and yeah, they're, they know what I'm saying. You and me, bro. We are the legends of podcasting. I, I gotta say, dude, I don't want no more fans. I don't. You probably do. Oh, let's get guests to talk to get more fans. Fuck that. The fans we have now, all I can say, this is, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, fuck future fans. Only the fans we have now. Fuck yeah. RMCP Army, bitch. Thank you. Yeah, you know, you were mentioning that to me. You're like, you know what? I I can't stand the fans that we got. Why do we want more? You know, yeah. we just get crazy people like Mark Alvin Taylor. So uh, <laughs> I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, we got people like Samuel West and people like Hell yeah. fucking James West. Fucking yeah. Our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, everybody listens to us and loves us. We got the best fans. And, you know, I feel lucky for these motherfuckers. You know why? Why? Because not only do they get not only do they get this show, but they get to come meet us in person at Rocket Pod. Oh, I That's, see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah, they get an opportunity to hang out with us, get annihilated, laugh, see the sights of Nashville with the podcast kings. That's, that's pretty, I mean, like, That'd be like, you know, when we were kids, you know, getting to go hang with, uh, you know, Zeppelin and Sabbath. That's what they get to do. They get to hang with us. It's just like that, only a lot less. No, it's better because when you hung out with Zeppelin and all these people back in the 70s, they didn't have Bushy in the bathroom puking. I'm sorry. We we did it better, man. (laughs) You know, and you know, we'll, we'll have that again. I can't wait to get the new Bushy puking picture. Well, I, you know, speaking of Bushy, I have this new slogan. I want to share it with everybody. And, you know, it's one of these slogans that's actual. It's factual. It's actually real. And tell me what you feel about this new slogan, because it has a lot to do with Bushy. This slogan I came up with, it's called, Only Cool Kids Hate on Sammy Hagel. What do you think of that? <laughs> Sounds good to me. I tell you, I, what, I love Bushy. But he's not cool, dude. But he, I love him. It doesn't mean I don't love him. I love non-cool people. Motherfucker lied and said, oh, you ate one too better than Fred Warning. That's not cool, man. That doesn't come out of the lips of a cool dude. But I love him. Yeah, I, I, I love him too. I think I'm going to be nicer uh, to Bushy. I'm not going to fuck with him as much as I normally do because, I mean, you saw what happened to him this week. No, I didn't. Oh, <laughs> Sammy Hagar went on Twitter and had a picture of Bushy, and it said, this homo thinks OU812 is better than Fair Warning. What a dick. <laughs> yeah, I never... And I'm like... Yeah, the only, I know. the only picture i ever seen of Bushy with Hagar, they would have clothes on. 
<laughs> and I, I saw that I was like, oh shit, Sammy Hagar is gonna get canceled now. You know, not for saying homo, but for sharing a picture of Bushy. Um, <laughs> I love that non-cool bastard. <laughs> oh, I, I love him too, man. And everybody else that we're gonna get to see, Brian Davis is gonna be back this year. Oh, really? That's gonna be oh, great. To that. Yeah. That's some great yeah. memories right there. Yeah, fucking Chuck Charles Branson is going to be there. Uh, Mark Allen Taylor. Uh, God, Al Reith is going to be there. Um, i trying to remember who else. I, I put up a post, and actually, I got to say, I, I was a little bit disappointed. I didn't see more people coming this year, and maybe not everybody saw the post. And, you know, I got to say, compared to past Rockin' Pods, um, we haven't been as aggressive with pushing this one just because I've had a lot of shit going on and you know, and, and you've had a move going on and I don't think we've been as focused as we normally are. Plus, we haven't been doing the fundraiser that we normally do. But, you know, I can't stress enough. I, I know we're like less than a month out now, but if you guys can swing it, man, go to this shit because it is so much fun. And if it's a situation, I realize a lot of people, man, just everybody's tight with money right now. Check on Facebook. See who's going. See if a friend of yours is going. You guys share a fucking room. You know, do anything to cut the costs. Uh, one thing I will say that Ralph and I did this year is uh, this is the first year we're not staying at the hotel, the same hotel as the event. We're staying at a nearby hotel, but, I mean, it saved us. Uh, shit, you know, $500 together, you know, doing what we're doing. So we did what we had to do to make it work. There's other things you guys can do to make it work and still be there and hang out. Because these things, I mean, every one of them has been a blast. They keep getting bigger and bigger. And a lot of people, oh, I'm going to be at next year's. Man, you never know. You know, if enough people don't show up, there might not be a next year. Or something might come up and... We can't be there that year. You know, you never know. So, if you can do it, man. And, and, and something very important. If you're going to Nashville without flying in, like, let's say you're driving to Nashville, very important. Bring street drugs. Yes. You can't put those on a plane. We can't do that. We can't take street drugs over there because we can't, you know. But if you get, if you drive into Nashville, yeah, just take some street drugs. They ain't gonna pull you over. Yeah. Because, I mean, luckily, this year, uh, Mark Allen Taylor's flying. Now, see, he can bring them because he's got, like, a special pass, and he's got one of those spirit animals that gets to bring in everything so he doesn't cry on the plane. Uh, you know, and, and he can just hide the drugs up, you know, the, the, the camel's ass or whatever spirit animal he's bringing with him. Yeah. Uh, sympathy dog, whatever the fuck he's got. You know, but the rest of you, you know, you bring some too. That shit's important. Nobody rides for free. Cash, grass, or ass, baby. That's right. And cash, grass, or ass, and only cool kids hate on Sammy Hagar. <laughs> That's right. Only the cool kids. Only the cool kids. <laughs> you know, and, and seriously, and there, there's multiple plan ahead. Because I, I like I like what uh, Mark Alvin Taylor did. He, he he went on the corner and sold his food stamps for cash. I mean, he got like, you know, pennies on, on the on the food stamp. But he, 
you know, exchanged enough, got some flyer miles, and he's coming. So if this guy can utilize the government, you know, at least he didn't steal the money from his dad, like some people. Exactly. Uh, you know, he, he's not, yeah, he's like, at least he's not a racist in Boston. Yeah, yeah. He sold his kid's government cheese to get there, and I respect that. I respect that. You know, yeah. it's, I think we broke a record. You have mentioned Mark Allen Taylor at least 12 times in the first five minutes. <laughs> I had a, I mentioned this guy more than anybody else. And, <laughs> and now, he, now he's going to get two less listeners next week. Uh, <laughs> which will bring his grand total to two. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we kid, but we were going to have a blast with this guy. And if you show up... You're going to have a blast, too. Seriously, you ask anybody uh, that, that's a fan of this show that's made the trick to Nashville, you guys have full access to us. We're hanging out with you. You're, you know, eating with us at horrible restaurants like uh, Shoney's and, <laughs> and, and, and Waffle Houses. And you get to hang out at concerts with us. And I mean, we spend time with everybody. And we'll let anybody buy us a drink. You know, we don't care who you are. And you, know, you, you, you can take a picture of me, you, and Ian for free. Not for free. A exactly. If, me, you, and Ian. Now, if it's just a picture with me, 200 bucks. Yeah, you can take a picture with us for free, but if you want your fucking phone back, it's 100 bucks. <laughs> 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 we got to make money, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, you got to pick for a hotel one way or the other, bitch. <laughs> But, I mean, there, there's so much to do. I mean, you know, we got the uh, the Rare Hair concert Friday night. Saturday, you got the event. Uh, Saturday night, you got your choice of events. There's Keel Fest you can go to. I am uh, looking forward to Keel Fest, man. Okay, so, well, well, here's the thing. You can go to Keel Fest, or you, you can go to uh, where they're showing Kiss Exposed with the comedians. Oh, that's, that's the one the thing you got. Night? Which one? Yeah, that's the same oh, night. Oh fuck! No, I, I'm sorry. And then there's uh. Yeah, um, and then you know you got the comedy show on Sunday, and, and I got I feel so fucking stupid. I don't know if I can't remember if the events two days this, like the actual like rock and pod. Uh, well, uh, you know what? Okay. People can find that out by going. Yeah, yeah. Show up or go on, go on Rock and Pod on the Facebook page. You can find out all these details. Right yeah, now, Kristen's sure. head spinning around. He's like, these fucking idiots. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but first, come to Nashville. Then, look it up online. You're already there. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, you know, and, and the thing with, with 90% of you, your mom's already coming. Just ride with her. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and after we're done with that, who would? Then we'll talk to you. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's going to be awesome. And, uh, again, I, I know you can see some people look at it, well, I'm not as into that artist, and or I met that artist at the last one, you know, because sometimes there's some repeat ones. But there's always new people. There's always more than what. There's more than enough shit to do, and even you know, just hanging out with us alone. I mean, and look what we did in the past, letting the listeners interview these people with us. You know, we're gonna do that again this year. 
You know, it, I mean, that was that was something that was so nice, uh, you know, the last couple of years when we've done that. Because we really, like, Tim Breen, you know, I thought he was going to fucking just cry when he got to talk to that guy from uh, uh, Saigon Kick, <laughs> you know. And, and, you know, I interviewed Erie Vaughn with Vincent Cavanaugh. And, you know, you and Bushy talked to Michael Sweet. And we've done all kinds of shit. And, you know, we share everything with you guys. Except the drugs. You share the drugs with us. Yeah. We, uh, or, you know, if we didn't have to fly in, we'd share drugs with you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. We just totally, get naked. So you do it for us. Yeah. <laughs> Street drugs. Oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be a blast. But uh, some other important news we got. Something people have been asking about. I mean, shit, you think about it. We've been doing this show for almost a decade. Really? And, and, and some, yeah, in uh, next year will be 10 years. Fucking hell. Uh, well, that don't I count. Know. That don't count. We got we got, we got to put the date of the show when, when we got rid of that first call. That's when the show's <laughs> It'll still be it'll still be that year. <laughs> he didn't he didn't last that long in the grand scheme of things. Okay, cool. Then it'll be next year. <laughs> I, I, I think Pete Best was in the Beatles four times longer than uh, than that other asshole was on this show. Yeah, I think Gary King was in Megadeth longer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but much like Dave Mustaine and Metallica, we're still feeling the repercussions to this day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> here from the- yeah. Now now we know how uh, how large and James feel. You know, with some guy, I it's on me. I did all that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm start my own rock and metal combat podcast. Right. I wish, Let you, me... I, I, as I said, I want to change the name of this show to Pod Fluid. <laughs> call Pod Fluid for now on with me. And he can change his, the name of his show to My Dad Presents the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, something you guys. I've been asking about for a long, long time. I finally got off my ass and did with the with the help of Mrs. Wadley. Uh, and we have merch available now. On uh, let me look at the uh, site here. It is called uh, Tone Threads. And if you go to ToneThreads.com and type in Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, you will see shirts with our classic logo. And you have about eleven colors to choose from. You can get uh, guy shirts, girl shirts, kid shirts, hoodies, and they are all very reasonably priced. The um, the t-shirts are twenty-two dollars, and the hoodies, I believe, are thirty or thirty-two dollars. And so far, we've sold seven. <laughs> so I would like to sell some. If we sell some more, uh, we'll do some more designs. I know we've had some really awesome. Uh, fan-created designs that I would like to add, but this is kind of like, you know, this is the, the test market to see if it's worth going through all of this to do more, because something, Ralph, you warned me about years and years ago when I wanted to do this. You said, be careful with t-shirts, because everybody says they want to buy one, and then you print them up, and everybody's like, oh, I'll get one next week, man, or, yeah, yeah you, you know. And so we, we uh, the route that I went with this is one of those ones where they are made to order. 
and Ralph and I take a, a smaller chunk. And but I recently set the price for this. Every time you buy a shirt, Ralph and I both make five bucks. We're not getting super rich off of this. Uh, but it is nice to have some kind of income uh, coming in for the show. Uh, I applied for Manscaped. I have not heard back yet, so we'll see what's going on with that. But uh, a lot of people, have, a lot of people have said, uh, <laughs> "Oh, it's funny the shit I had to fill out." Like I had to describe our, our audience, and I was like, uh, "Guys, yeah, <laughs> guys, about ten to sixty, uh, <laughs> you know." Uh, Wait, but, uh, my girlfriend listens, so one girl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think we have three girls, two people who are transitioning, and the rest are all kids, and and old people who have kid mentalities. But uh, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Hey, we've been around a while, you know. When we started the show, we had little kids listening to us. Now they're all grown and shit. Yeah, and they're still listening. To I know. Us. Connor Stratton. I. Yes. Yep. Trinity, his girlfriend. They're all little kids. They're all yep. kids listening to us, and now they're grown, fine people that do not shoplift or mooch off their parents and say racist things on the internet. Good people. Yeah. Yo, shit. We've been doing this show so long when we started, there was people still living with their parents, and some of them still are. <laughs> yeah, like 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 both of us. <laughs> yeah. We still live but, with uh, I think that the t-shirts, I mean, it, it's the classic logo we've been using since day one. Uh, so far, we've sold seven shirts. I think six of them were black. And uh, one gentleman brought, bought one in mint. And uh, they're very neat colors. And what I found out was it, it was very confusing for me on this website trying to figure out. I had to size each one. And then they sent me an email going, oh, uh, we see how you set it up. Uh, we didn't explain it well, but you could have just hit the shirt and then put all colors. <laughs> but I mean, I had to go through like, like, fucking. I think there's 13 different colors, and then I had to show the size I wanted on the shirt and everything. But it's all up there now. Go to tonethreads.com, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and I also put. You're like, well, who's the designers? And you'll love this, Ralph. I put Doctor Fuck and Watson. <laughs> Yeah, I like how you put Dr. Fuck first. Yeah. yeah. And I'll have, I'll have you know that I also, uh, I'm trying to, uh, something happened on Podbean where they took away, uh, Chris Zinzak made a funny joke about it. Like the old picture that used to be, if you went on Podbean, that, that showed the one of us with all the bands in the back. They changed their formats and I can't figure out how to switch it back to what ours was. So now it shows a girl listening to records. <laughs> and then our show. But anyway, I was fucking with some of the settings in there and where I initially just put my name because I was signing up for everything, it now says Ralph Vieira and Ian Wadley. So you, so you can rest assured now that it doesn't just come up my name. That uh, oh. both of our names are on this. Dude, you put my name associated with this shit? Yeah, I figured, fuck it, I ain't going down alone, goddammit. <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> I do not want to be associated <laughs> with this show. Actually, I'm not me. <laughs> You're Pod Fluid McGee. <laughs> yeah, and the real Dr. Fuck died like McCartney, and I took over the I'm the fake but, Dr. Fuck, but people think that I'm still alive. 
<laughs> but yeah, let us know what you think about the shirts and the quality uh, of them and everything. Uh, like I said, I know seven people ordered them so far, and I would love to see you guys put up pictures, uh, you know, of you guys in your Rock and Metal Combat shirts. And I know there was some issue with the link that I put was kind of the wrong link, but now that I got it on here and you're all listening to this, uh, tonethreads.com, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Because uh, we're new, you got to type the whole thing. It doesn't start popping up. You got to fill out the whole thing. Or you can put Dr. Fuck Wadzilla. And if these start doing good, we are going to put up more designs like the awesome uh, fan art created ones. Uh, and, you know, we could. You know, I know Dr. Fuck has his own shirts you can buy. I might put up some Wadzilla shirts, and, or we'll add some more Dr. Fuck shirts. You know, but this is, let's see how these sell. We do good, we'll add some more again. They're not real expensive, especially when you consider what you're going to spend if you go to a concert these days. I don't think you're going to get one for under fucking $40. Uh, you yeah. know, that's why I did the full disclosure. I told you what we got, what Ralph and I make off of it. You know, we split it 50-50. We make 10 bucks a shirt, and we split it 50-50. We're right, happy on. about it. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. We sold seven shirts. Yes. Seven times five. Dude, I made like 20 bucks. <laughs> Fuck I think your mask's a little bit off. <laughs> okay, okay. But send me 20 anyway. I know it's more, and I deserve more, so send me 20 bucks for all those shirts. Fuck yeah, five times seven, bitch. <laughs> yeah, so so help feed us and buy a fucking shirt and show your support for the show. Again, there's all kinds of cool different colors you can get. And uh, yeah, and give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Yeah, and send street drugs to Vegas. I mean, to Nashville. Even if, <laughs> if you don't go, Ian will give you the address. Remember, do not put my name on the package. Just Ian Wadley. Fill it with street drugs. Yeah. Send it to that address of the hotel we're going to be at. We'd like that too. Remember, and, not and, it on there. And don't send just like, you know, a little bit. Send a lot because, you know, we love you, but, you know, we got to be a little bit skeptical. These are street drugs. So everything we get, we're going to try a little bit out on Mark Alvin Taylor first. If he doesn't die, then we'll take it. Yeah. So, Another another Mark Allen Taylor mention. <laughs> who who knows? You know, he might take one of those pills and walk upright. You don't know. You, know, you might find a cure for what ails that son of a bitch. You Are know? you saying he's a naggle? He's a fucking knuckle tracker? <laughs> I wouldn't say that on this show because people listen to this show. I'd say it on his show. <laughs> Ouch! By the way. I, I already heard that that Chuck Charles quit and he started a new show with Lee Gerson. That's gotta hurt. Oh, oh man. Uh, that's that's like into the fire, out of the frying pan. I don't know. Or into the frying pan. I don't know. All I know is that that's, yeah, that's like that's like jumping into the corn dog fryer. <laughs> yep. He he makes corn dogs for a living. You gotta change the name of the show to Shit on a Stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um, fuck it. Uh, you got anything before we get into the news? Uh, no. All right, there's Thrasher Die shirts. I'm selling. 
<laughs> nice. Yeah. I got thrashed. I, I just moved out, you know, and and uh, boy, I have a lot of shirts left, you know, and uh, they're for sale. Even big boy shirts, double XL, I got them. I got them, bro. I got you covered. You know, when I see Chuck Charles in Nashville, I'm giving him a three thrasher die shirt. Three of them. I already put it in. Nice. I already have it in the backpack I'm taking to Nashville. So, you know, I ain't going to forget it. I already put it in there a month before. Or it's less than a month now, right? Yeah, and, and, and get them quick because, you know, by the last day, we're going to be selling you get three shirts for the price of four because we'll be out of money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, get your asses to Nashville is basically what we're saying. And buy a shirt. And then get your ass to malls. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know, I was thinking last week how you were reading news stories from uh, different news sources other than Blabbermouth, where I usually I go. I was playing around, dude. I don't know how to read. Well, no, 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 no. You know, it got me thinking because I saw a news story just on my, you know, laptop today. I wasn't on Blabbermouth. It was something musical related, and it really got me thinking and kind of... Well, I, I mean, I already had this opinion, but I hadn't thought about it in a long time. But the article was basically talking back about the 1994 uh, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, No Quarter. And they're saying what a slap in the face it was to John Paul Jones. And uh, it got me thinking about it. Yeah, what a crock of shit that was. And, uh, you know, they brought up some really good points about how not only was it bullshit for them not to notify him before that took place, but to call it No Quarter, which was basically the John Paul Jones signature song, but uh, it even referred to something that I knew of, but I'd forgotten. Uh, when asked at a press conference, you know, where's John Paul Jones? Why isn't he part of this? Uh, uh, Robert Plant said, oh, he's, he's out there parking the car, <laughs> you know? And I, I forgot he did say that. I'm like, what a dick. And and then I do remember stories coming out at the time that it was pretty much Robert Plant that uh, is the reason John Paul Jones wasn't there. Because he said, if we get him, it's going to be Led Zeppelin. And I don't want this to be Led Zeppelin. I don't want the pressure of Led Zeppelin. And, uh, you know, basically the article brought out, like, even if they just wanted to do that, you know, just the two of them. Uh, they should have had the respect and the dignity to to call John Paul Jones and let him know that they were doing this and let him know why, you know, they felt it was important for him not to be part of it. Uh, I also remember when they were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when John Paul Jones got up, uh, he said, first of all, I'd like to thank these two guys for remembering my phone number, Ooh. which I thought was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, what a, you know, and, and I thought that special was like, whatever, whatever. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Uh, you know, the, the tour was great. I saw Peyton Plant twice, but I, I think everybody wanted John Paul Jones involved and wondered why he wasn't there. What, what were your thoughts back to that? Did you care? No, not really, because it wasn't Led Zeppelin. You know, they did something different than Zeppelin, except... When I saw the live show, that shit was phenomenal, man. Open up with the Wanton song. Dude, you open up with the Wanton song, game is over, man. 
Come on, what better Led Zeppelin song is there to open a show than Wanton song? Exactly. So, you know, the, I, when I saw Page and Plant, my God, was that a good show. Fucking amazing. The set list and the drummer and, oh my God, that shit was fucking just badass. Walking back to Clarksdale, I listen to now and then. I don't think it's a terrible album. Uh, the, right, other, right. the rework of Zeppelin, yeah, I dug it. It's a, of course, I'm not gonna like it like the original, but you know they did a little twist on Gallows Fall and shit like that. And I dug. I was like, I don't mind this. Don't call this Zeppelin. They're doing something different than Zeppelin, you know. But at the end of the day, dude, Robert Plant is what Robert Plant is. Motherfucker sang on graffiti, man. He gets a free pass. He can be as douchey as he wants in his old age. Keep doing, cranking out, and ignoring John Paul Jones, and do all that shit you want. You are fucking Robert Plant. Communication breakdown. Dude, when the levee breaks, immigrant song, Tangerine. He gets a free pass for life. He will never be a douche in my eyes. Well, I, I think, you know, the, the actual special itself, I was kind of like, once I got past the initial excitement, uh, you know, the overall result of that album, No Quarter, and the special, I'm like, you know, I, I'm never going to listen to this over the fucking, and still this day, I don't even know if I listen to that shit all the way through. Now, I saw both tours, I saw the No Quarter tour, and I saw the Walking to Clarksdale tour. Uh, phenomenal, but the thing is, everybody's there to see the Zeppelin shit, and you're basically doing all the Zeppelin shit, but you don't want to call it Led Zeppelin. And I I, I just, I, I do it. It left a bad taste in my mouth. And I'm kind of, like, Plant's, Plant's Plant. He's always been the fucking weirdo, especially post, you know, 1980s, post the initial breakup. He's been the one that's trying to distance himself the most. But, uh, you know, I, I, I feel... Jimmy Page dropped the ball, and I think Jimmy Page was just kind of so humbled by how uh, Coverdale Page didn't do what he thought it was going to do, and the ticket sales weren't there. I, I think he was so like, oh, fuck, I need something, that he let, you know, he kind of went with what Robert Plant wanted to do. I think it's kind of like when Dave came back to Van Halen, you know, yeah, it was great, but Dave knew he needed Van Halen more than they needed him. Uh, you know, so you didn't see Dave, you know, lead all the interviews and, and you know, do as much as he did in the past because he didn't want to rock that boat and fuck up the gravy train. I think, you know, Page was the same there. He had already put out, you know, a couple solo albums that did whatever. Coverdale Page didn't do what they expected it to do. But, uh, you know, John Paul Jones is such a vital part of that band and he's always been since day one the most overlooked member so I, I really wish that they would have done something when they were trying to do something without a plan now do I want to call Led Zeppelin hell no but I would have loved to see Jason Bond John Paul Jones and Jimmy Page do something with a, a caliber singer you know Sammy Hagar well see Sammy Hagar was already as big as Led Zeppelin at that point yeah. You know, you know, he was selling more tickets than them. So, uh, you know, that I think was a pipe dream that they could get him. They, they probably better stuck with that Alter Bridge kid. 
speaking of Sammy Hagar, you know, cool kids hate on Sammy Hagar. The cool ones do, yeah. 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 The ones who get the punani. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the ones who like to tuck it and put on makeup and then go out to a bar and pass themselves off as a woman. Uh, bushy. Uh, you know, they like OU812 better than Fair Warning. Nobody does. That was a lie. I know. Like I said, even Hagar called bullshit on that. Yeah. Oh, God. I can't wait to see that fucking flamer at Rocket Five. That's going to be great. That's going to be great. I can't wait to see his daughter there who has more balls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Well, yeah, that, that's just my thoughts on that. I was just thinking back to that. and Yeah, it sucks. But it was, it was great tours. Both of them were great. But uh, I'll tell you what, everybody was there to hear Led Zeppelin music. So our first story, uh, Death Leopard's Joe Elliott uh, was briefly hospitalized, but apparently he vows to play a show that he had today in Bogota. Uh, what and happened? He was su- what happened? He, well, got, he got Sammy's vagina? It turns out he was suffering from moderate to severe altitude sickness. Yeah, that, that's Sammy in the vagina. But I, I'm looking at this picture of, of Joe Elliott, and I'm like, God damn, does he look like, you know, old. Like, holy shit. Like, I'm cool with, like, the fact how he let his hair go white. You know, he's not trying to dye it blonde and pretend it's hysteria anymore. I'm cool with that. Uh, but just in the face, I'm like, God damn it. I'm like, how old is he? And then I looked up. Joe Elliott's 63 years old. That's not that old. To look that old, that's not that old. I know, but man, I'm, I'm just thinking back to like, God damn it, 1983. I had pictures of this guy on my wall that I cut out of Circus Magazine. <laughs> you know, and it's like cool, like Pyromania Joe Elliott. And I'm looking at him now, I'm like, God damn. It just doesn't seem right. <laughs> that you know, Leopard should you know be 63 that, years old, man. With that haircut he has, he looks like that dude now. That guy that was in Phantasm. You remember that? Yeah. The tall boy. Angus Scrim. Angus Scrim, yeah. The tall man. That's Joe Elliott now. Yeah, he he looks like a cross between him and some gay professor from uh, Harry Potter. But, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It just kind of hit me. But I got to remember, man, I'm going to be 49 here in a couple months. I'm sorry. Look at all those other guys. And Def Leppard out of Joe Elliott's age. They don't look that old. Yeah, he he, he looks rough, but you know, I, I don't think he sounds that bad. You know? Yeah. I, I mean the songs that they sing sound that bad, but I don't think he sounds that bad. I'm glad he's still out there playing. Yeah, he's got you great know? tapes. Got great tapes to sing to. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I wish him no ill will. I just wish they'd change the set list and only play Pete Willis era uh, Death Leopard, but that ain't gonna happen. With Pete Willis. Because only cool kids like Pete Willis era. Yeah. Death Leopard. That's right. Only only cool kids understand how they suck without Pete Willis. And, and, Rick, <laughs> Allen, and Rick Allen's right arm. Yeah, yeah. His arm, his arm was it was so much in love with the Pete Willis era, it left. Yeah, you know? it left with me. It was so ashamed of his carrying. 
<laughs> yeah, Steve Clark is lucky. That's all I'm gonna say. Jeff Leppard for selling that much album off a shitty fucking album played with a guy with one arm. <laughs> That's horrible. Oh. Okay. You know what's crazy? Uh, you know, remember like what a big deal it was back then about the the length of time from pyromania to hysteria. That was like an eternity back yeah. then. Yeah. You know, n now it's nothing, but back then it was like, holy fuck. Yep. And I, I saw an interview with uh, the producer, Robert Mutt Lang. Um, you know, they were talking about how long it took. And what he says was a lot of it was editing because the drummer kept going, Danger, Will Robinson, danger. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was a robot that played that shit. Yeah. But, uh, that was a long setup for a bad joke. It was, it was, uh, no, but I got to commend you. <laughs> you delivered a bad joke. Pretty cool. You delivered it like a guy that hates Sammy Hagar. <laughs> yeah, I'm a cool kid. I remember, dude, after High and Dry, Pyromania felt like an eternity. Because High and Dry came out in 81. I remember because, you know, you had On Through the Night in 1980. Uh, on Through the Night, uh, I mean, High and Dry in 81. Then 82 went by, there was no Def Leppard, then 83 it finally came out. Believe me, I remember that took a long fucking time to do. Guy, <laughs> yeah, I, I just remember this old guy in a record store I used to hang out in in junior high. And, uh, you know, I was all excited about uh, uh, Hysteria coming out. Because, you know, I'd love, you know, Pyromania so much. But at that time, really, I never checked out the other two. It was only Pyromania. Uh, and I'd like women, unlike most people. I guess, I guess only cool kids like women. Everybody else likes all the other shitty songs. Yeah. But I was, I was, oh, I can't wait till you guys get hysteria. And he looked at me, and, and he was like, he looked like, uh, he looked like Walter Becker from Steely Dan in the seventies. He had like super long straight hair and like a mustache and shit. And he goes, I haven't given a shit since High and Dry. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm like. Okay, whatever. I haven't listened to that record yet. And now, like, going back, it's like, fuck. He was right. <laughs> you know, he was the old wise man in the record store. But, uh, yeah. Fuck it. Joe Lance old. All right, well, here's something. Uh, wow. This had to be something. Three former Megadeth uh, members got up uh, and played for the first time in 35 years with Chuck Beeler. Joining yeah. Dave Ellison and Jeff Young. Uh, kind of cool. Man, he looks old. Uh, you know, I, I still laugh at this Megadeth tribute shit. But man, when you look at the set list, it's like, that's what I want to see out of a fucking Megadeth show. Have you seen the set list that leaked for their New Japan shows where, uh, where uh, Freeman's going to join them? Horrible. Oh, Terrible. Terrible. And then you look at the set list that this Kings of Thrash shit's playing. Man, that's the shit I want to hear. And, uh... And you never will. Uh, yep. And it just reminds me of, I think it was like the... The second or third Ozfest. I know I've told the story on the show before, but me and my friend actually... We started a pit 
during Megadeth. If you can believe, there wasn't even a pit for Megadeth. And we started one. Like, right up front, right in front of the stage. This was at, like, some, like, vacant lot in Orlando. And, uh, uh, I remember, what was it? I can't remember what year, but I know Motorhead was on it during Snakebite Love and shit like that. But anyway, they were just playing this boring set list. It was all, like, 90s shit they were playing. And he's like, all right, we got time for one more song. What do you guys want to hear? And we started the chant of Wake Up Dead, and it spread. I mean, and it was loud. I know he had to hear it. I don't care if he's on stage. We were right up front. It was loud. Wake Up Dead. Wake Up Dead. He goes, all right, you got it. Anarchy in the UK. <laughs> and we're like, oh, God. We're like, what? Really? Like, hmm. Oh, but yeah, seeing this new set list, it's like, oh god! And what's that? What's that horrible song, "The Dreaded, The Fugitive Mind," that he won't give up? To me, that's right there. Was fucking She Wolf. When, I know you like She Wolf, and a lot of other people do, but I don't get it. Like, why is this shit still on the set list? You know, and 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 Wake Up Dead's not. You know, and and he was playing The Conjuring again for a while, and now that's not even. You know, on there anymore. I think Peace Cells was the only song he was playing off of Peace Cells. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, nothing off of uh, Killing's My Business. You know. It's like fuck. I don't know. No, you know. Retarded. I, 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 Ozzy. Um. Yeah. He retired. He ain't touring no more. But let's say he did tour. He never plays anything from his best fucking album. He doesn't play anything from Diary. Anything. Yep. Ridiculous. Yep. I, I think. It, I mean, what I saw. I think Ozzy. I've seen more than any other art. I mean, if you combine me seeing him solo and with Black Sabbath, I think maybe, maybe only two or three shows that I ever see anything off a of Diary. You know. A lot. Sad. A long time ago. He hasn't done anything from Diaries since the 2000s. Yeah. I, I think, you know, once I've seen him play Believer and maybe a couple times Over the Mountain, and that's about it. I think I think he might have played Over the Mountain on the No More Tears tour. No. Uh, no. He didn't? Okay. I know I, I've seen him play that once. Over the Mountain, you saw it during one of those Oz Fest years that I didn't give a fuck and didn't keep up with it. Though I did see him many times on Oddfest. I only seen him play Over Mountain one time with Jakey Lee on the Speak of the Devil tour. The only the only time I ever he opened the show with uh, Over the Mountain. Ever since then, Bark of the Moon tour, Ultimate Sin, No Rest for the Wicked, No More Tears, Osmosis, none of them he played Over the Mountain. He did keep flying high, yeah, flying high again to like Probably osmosis or, or no more tears, and has, and that's when all of it stopped. I never saw anything. I mean, unless you saw like a little instrumental shit without Ozzy on stage being played, they don't play any songs from Die of a Mama. It's ridiculous. Well, I, I think some of it has to do, you know, that lawsuit with Bob Daisley. I think uh, Bob Daisley stole all the lyrics for you know his material out of the teleprompter. <laughs> So uh, oh, I mean, can't remember the words. The thing is that <laughs> Ozzy, yeah, yeah, the poor guy got to read off. I mean, dude, 
bad enough he's got to read off the teleprompter. He needs something to prop him up stage and something that won't let him fall. He has something behind him. Yeah. It's just, I'm sorry, man. People that go see Ozzy now and say, I saw Ozzy. It's like, no, you saw a propped up dead man that can still breathe and talk. But that is not Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy is gone. He's gone. Look at him in interviews now. I mean, you thought he was oh, yeah. Osborne show. Osborne show, he had an excuse because they were pumping him full of pills from the doctor. That's why he mumbled a lot. But now it's not that. He's just, you know, he's got all, he's got fucking uh, paralysis and all his other ailments. He's, it's just, it's sad, dude, that I'm glad. I'm glad he's not torn. Feel bad for the people I never saw him, but hey, sorry, but Ozzy's, you're not going to see Ozzy anyway. It's done. It's over, Johnny. And his music, yeah. I mean, God damn, that, what he's putting out now, that's not my Ozzy, man. My Ozzy <laughs> was never like this shit. You know? Yeah. It hasn't been my Ozzy in fucking 30 fucking years plus. My Ozzy pretty much died with no rest for the wicked, really. <laughs> yeah. Although I gotta admit, man, I, I, I loved No More Tears when it came out, but other than a handful of songs, I can't even listen to that anymore. I can't listen to No More Tears. I love the song No More Tears. Oh, yeah. That song I love. But it, it's still, it's it's not, it's it's really Ozzy being somebody else. It's not, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, Ultimate Sin, he went all glammy, but when he came back with No Rest for the Wicked, that was the Ozzy. That was like, dude, the first time I saw the Miracle Man video, I was like, my Ozzy's back. That is Ozzy's yeah. right there. That's the real Ozzy. Yeah, after that, he became a little more adult contemporary with my mom coming home, trying to yeah. be the outside. No rest for the wicked. He was talking to his hardcore metal fans. And that fucking album still owns. I still play that shit all the fucking time. No rest for the wicked. I know. Cool. God, it's crazy. I remember buying that, like, right when I started freshman year in high school. That's how old that shit is. God, I remember seeing the world premiere for... No more tears, and I thought it was like, oh my god, it's like the best thing since Black Sabbath. And I was like, this is so cool. Oh god, I remember when, uh, remember when Don't Blame Me came out on VHS. Yeah. Oh man, what a great documentary! I'd watch that all the time. Man, Ozzy was so cool back then. So yeah. Cool. Yep. It's not always. Yeah, kids today just don't know. I feel bad for this, you know, generation that knows him from the Osbournes. You know, there, just, I don't know. I don't know anybody that's my age that would listen to that new Ozzy album and go, "Oh, classic," or, or even, "Oh, this is good." You know what I mean? Listen to shit. It's like, dude, that's not my Ozzy. My Ozzy was, you know, fucking Black Sabbath fighting off the head of the dove, you know, peeing all over himself and peeing on the Alamo and, and you know, and singing those amazing Bob Daisley lyrics. That's my fucking Ozzy. Yep. <sighs> those were the days. Yep. But now we live in a day where Mr. Biggs to be with you video has surpassed 100 million views on YouTube. <laughs> really? Holy shit! Wow! Yeah, that's a hard yeah. song, there, Ian. That that is a very horrible song. 
But the funny thing, like, I clicked on the story, I was like, is this for real? But then it shows, like, over 900,000 of these views were from a user named Bushy6969. <laughs> I, thought you were, I thought you were going to throw Mark's name again. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mark left a comment, though. On, on the To Be With You video said, what kind of fag would listen to this shit? <laughs> and, and then him and Bushy get into a fight the, the thread's longer than shit. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Cat fight. <laughs> and, 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 and half of the comments from Mark Allen Taylor are just like, check out Freeform Rock Podcast. Now with, now with Chuck Charles. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I love these guys. I get to hang out with them. They're all going to smack the shit out of me in Nashville. I can't wait. Oh, God. Here was a, a, a funny story. I, I mean, in a way, I think it's kind of sad, but it's funny to me because I'm an asshole and I don't give a shit. But uh, Puddle of Muds, West Scantlin was arrested yet again. Did you, did you see this story? No, I didn't. I don't know shit about this band. Okay, well, yeah, they, they were a horrible 90s band. You know, they're right there with, you know, the Creeds and the Disturbs and all this shit. Uh, and they, they had their moment. Thank God it's gone. But this guy has been arrested a lot, uh, you know, since their glory days have passed. He's sunken into, uh, you know, depression and alcohol abuse and drug abuse and everything. And <laughs> now he got arrested for breaking into a house that he had repossessed years ago. <laughs> and he, 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 yeah, he refused to leave. I think the house was foreclosed uh, maybe 10 years ago, and he just showed up, this is my house, this is my house, I'm not leaving. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this guy, holy shit. You know, and then there's, uh, you know, a great, you know, it was memes all over Facebook and TikTok, whatever these kids do. He went on Stern a couple of years ago. And instead of playing, you know, his horrible Puddle of Mud songs, he does a Nirvana cover. And the vocals were just like, oh, that's Puddle of Mud. Yeah. And yeah. I need an easy chair. Right? Yeah. About a girl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty painful. <laughs> but I thought it was kind of funny. Oh, it, it was, but I, I, I mean, the, the funniest part was, like, if you go on that and you watch YouTube, the people making fun of it, uh, you know, Don Dockin, Vince Neil, David Lee Roth, they were all making fun of his vocals, saying, give it up, you can't do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I got arrested once again for breaking into his former home, and uh, yeah, this guy's just lost his fucking mind, but uh, I laugh at it, because, you know... I think that's what you get. When you sell your soul to the devil to make a hit with a, you know, have a hit record with songs that are terrible, you know, that shit ain't gonna last. You know, it, it's, it's hard It's hard enough for the good shit to last, let alone the horrible shit. Remember it, the- It's over, it's over, Johnny. You know what band really pissed me off in the 90s a lot? And you never hear me talk about them because thank God they disappeared that they ain't even a topic no more. I used to- fucking hate the spin doctors oh they drove me nuts they drove me crazy 
Oh, they sucked. I'm sorry, and if you like them, uh, I'm not sorry. Oh, no. Yeah, that band sucked. Pocket full of kryptonite? Get it. Get the fuck. No. It's painfully <laughs> bad. They're missing them. This can't be wrong. <laughs> I'm sure they're all sleeping. Yeah, what's funny? I knew some people who were actually into them. Um, Me too. They, they they liked. They put out, I believe, one or two records before Pocketful of Kryptonite, and apparently they were decent records. Uh, I've heard this from numerous people that they were a band that totally changed their sound uh, from what they were to try to get onto radio. And there's people. I remember people talking about them. Now, again, these were people who were more into, like, the jam band scene, like, Dead and stuff like that, and Blues Traveler, uh, yeah, you know, early blues. I would hate that shit. That's, I early, early Blues Traveler. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan either. But, uh, but supposedly they were decent albums, and, you know, they used to talk about them all the time, and even they were like, they didn't want to be associated with them. They were like, hey, aren't you the guy that likes... Fucking spin that shut the fuck up. I never like spin that. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember a girl, my friend Heidi. I'm still friends with her. She loved them. I would just, she would always goof on me why I didn't like them. I mean, they fucking rule. And now I tell her like, hey, whatever happened to that fucking band you like? They would piss me off. Agar like, <laughs> does. I mean, their music was fucking everywhere and on MTV. And I was like, I can't stand this fucking band. But I don't really talk about them because they're so gone, I even forgot about them. But I was reminded oh. of them the other day, and I was like, oh my god, the spin doctors. God, I hated that fucking band. Oh, they, 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 did they disappear fast? You know, holy shit. Good. They and, went from everywhere to nowhere. And, and unlike Pelham, they can't even get arrested now. So. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're literally sleeping in a Pelham. <laughs> oh shit! They're they're so hard up. They're impersonating Peter Chris. Trying to get that uh. <clears throat> All right, next story. Uh, Steve Vai has kind of gone back. This going back to Ozzy. Steve Vai has gone back on comments that he said were taken out of context about an unreleased album he had with Ozzy. And for those though those who don't know. Uh, he was working with Ozzy prior to the Osmosis record. And I think there was one or two tracks that made it onto Osmosis. Maybe just one that had a co-write with Vi. But um, he said it was taken out of context. What he meant was they had wrote an album's worth of material. But it was never actually recorded. Well, and I, I heard different back then. Back in the day. They said that album was scrapped, and then they did Osmosis, and only kept one song from the album. This is what I read back then. That uh, yeah, one right. song that's on Osmosis, that was from the album he did with Steve I. I read that back then. It was recorded, just didn't wasn't. Record companies hated it or whatever, and they had to re-record the album. Was that? Yeah, I, and you know, think I. Huge Steve Vai fan. Love Steve Vai. I love, you know, what he's done with Frank. I love what he's done with Dave. Uh, you know, I got to see him on tour with Whitesnake. Um, but I, I don't think him and Ozzy would have been a good mix anyway. I mean, I offhand, I can't 
think of the song uh, off of Osmosis that he co-wrote. I only liked one song on Osmosis, and that was, I think, Thunder Underground or some shit like that. I like I like Perry Mason. That's it. Oh, I hate that fucking song. That's the only song I like off there. Really? Um, but I, I just don't think they're a, they're a good mix anyway. I don't. I wouldn't even really be interested in hearing it just because I I just don't see. I don't know. I, I, Steve Vai and David Lee Roth makes sense to me. Him and Ozzy, no, no. What uh, what, do, what do you think? Do, do you think that was a good combination? No, but it can't be worse than, than Osmosis. Yeah, true. True. Yeah. Now, now, one thing I think would have worked that, you know, I know you know, of course, you know, almost did, was uh, George Lynch. You know, George Lynch almost got the job before Jakey Lee. I think that could have worked very well. Yeah, that would have been awesome. If, if, if George would have joined at that time, like mm -hmm. going into the Mark of the Moon, because... Jakey Lee came in during Speaking of the Devil. You know, uh, Brad right. Gibbs left after that album. Then Jakey Lee took over the Speaking of the Devil tour. Man, if it would have been George Lynch, it would have been vicious. You know? I love what Jake did with Oz. Oh, yeah. But man, how can George do any worse? It'd be awesome. Oh, that yeah. Was Lynch. It, 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 yeah, George in, in his prime. Holy shit. Sick. Uh, but then again, you know, something we know now that we didn't know back then, I don't think it matters how talented you were, you know, you were limited, you know, whether it was just like what credit you would get for it or sometimes what was allowed. Like apparently, uh, if I remember correctly, the whole thing with Steve Vai was put down by Sharon, not by Ozzy. Sharon didn't think it, it, it fitted right, you know, with... 1994 or whatever whenever osmosis came out you know uh so who knows how he would have been handcuffed but the, the possibilities man you think of fucking lynch's 80 guitar work holy shit uh yeah but 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 steve i yeah i, I don't think it would have especially 94 yeah I, I i'm okay if this shit never never sees the light of day man in 94 it was so dark I remember what they were trying to push off this metal back then. You know, it's like that really made me go into the death metal and black metal shit 90s. Because seriously, everything that was promoted, your cold chambers and power mad 5000, all that shit that, that was called metal back then is so bad. Yeah. This is not my music. So I gravitated to more real metal, you know, what. I can Oh it. yeah. You know, and listen to some death. And it, it, it's, it's, yeah, and it's funny you mention that because when we get into the review today, that precisely will will come up. So interesting you said that. I think we both kind of did the same thing. Uh, well, here's a story I thought was pretty pretty interesting. Now, I know you're not a fan of the band by any means, but guitar player Billy Grand. Granzadelli, I don't know how the fuck you pronounce that shit. Anyway, the guy from Biohazard. Uh, they were talking to him about how the music industry could have been saved. And he brought up a very interesting point that if they would have had people more aware in the late 90s, early 2000s, when MP3 started coming out, and instead of trying to fight Napster, 
if the record companies just would have bought Napster, you know, and buried it, they could have saved themselves. Yeah. And and what's interesting about that is, uh, and here, here's a rare chance that you're actually going to learn something informative <laughs> on this podcast, but uh, I don't know if a lot of people are aware of this, but in the 1950s, there was a farmer, I believe from Michigan, uh, who was a mechanic in his spare time, and he invented a bolt-on carburetor that could be added to any vehicle back in the day. And this carburetor, you could get 60 miles to the gallon. This was in the 1950s, okay? A farmer figured this out on his own. Granted, I'm sure he was highly intelligent to do something like that. But anyway, uh, he invented it, started showing it to people. Chevron, which everybody knows, Chevron gas stations and stuff. Chevron bought the patent from this guy for $1 million back in the 50s. Think, think what a million dollars probably was in the 50s, you know, what it would be, you know, in today's money. But anyway, basically, they they bought this and they put it on the shelf. You know why? Because who would lose money? Chevron would lose money. If every car back in the 50s could get 50 miles or 50 or 60 miles, whatever it was to the gallon, you know, they were smart. They said, oh, this will kill us. We're going to buy this so nobody else can do it. And, uh, you know, and the music industry could have done the same thing. Because think about it. They, they could have bought, you know, whatever technology that, I forget that kid's name who invented Napster. But if they would have had the, you know, the foresight or maybe some younger people, you know, with more forward-thinking ideas, they could have bought that technology and people like Mr. X could not the majority of their their music that way and there would still be album sales you know yeah. too another thing if somebody back then could have bought a stop to the internet we would have never heard anything like oh you is better than fair warning <laughs> yeah yeah you could have nipped that shit in the bud yeah we could have stopped <laughs> the internet from that happening too <laughs> you know because the guy just would have said it to another guy at yeah. the dive bar they were at and he would have got slapped and he never would have said it again and never would have gained any traction and you know yeah, even, even, right the, even the gay guy at the bar will slap him for saying that <laughs> exactly i'm sure he has too yeah. oh god all right uh but yeah i thought that was an interesting you know an interesting point yeah you know they kind of have themselves to blame yeah Ooh. Here was something, here's something I was very excited about and I thought sounded really good. Uh, did you see Greg Raleigh come out with Journey in yeah, Austin? Yeah, awesome. Oh, oh, man. He came out, they did like a 36-minute, uh, I saw clips of it, but if you go on YouTube now, uh, somebody has, you know, the entire performance. It's like a 36-minute encore. Uh Greg Raleigh came out. They did, uh, you know, anytime feeling that way, um, just the same way. Steve Luthaker came out from Toto, who is opening right now, and they play Black Magic Woman. And oh my God, was it was like, oh shit, here's here's my journey, <laughs> you know, the shit. Oh, they played of a lifetime too. Wow. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, of a lifetime, you know. Oh, off, you know. I think that's off the second, first or second album. 
Uh, but man, I gotta say, Greg Rowley, of course, you know, I, mean, I think he's in his 70s now. Uh, a, a little, you know, his register's a little bit lower, but he still sounds real good if you ask me. And you can tell it wasn't lip sync. You know, this is really him singing. It still sounded good. But, you know, he has the power, vocally, of a 70-year-old of man. There's no shame in that. It still sounded good. But I'm just thinking to myself, it's like, man, if I could see a whole tour of this. And, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, Neil did a uh, did a solo tour with Greg Raleigh, where they played all this shit. You know, they played all the old Journey, the stuff from when they were in Santana and shit. And unfortunately, you know, where I was at the time, it didn't come around. But I'm just like... Fuck. And what I love, too, is the way Greg Raleigh's up front like he used to be when he was in Journey. You know, and then you see these two other keyboard players you don't need way in the back. <laughs> you know, but you got you got Raleigh right next to Neil Sean, the way it used to be. And, man, I thought it sounded good. What'd you think? Uh, I didn't. I only saw one song. No, which one? Which one did you hear? Um, I think it was Anytime. Or, yeah, yeah. The, fir the first song, because I saw them bring him out on stage. You know, yeah. he talked a little before he went behind the, the piano. I only saw, that was yeah. the I saw. Yeah. I haven't been online much lately, so I haven't seen, I haven't uh, kept up with the rest of those songs. Oh, yeah, you need, to, you need to check out the rest of it. Yeah, Anytime was good, because uh, he split the vocals with a uh, white beater, Dean Castronova, who does a great Stevie Perry. And then I think him and Arnell split vocals on uh, just the same way. And, and it sounded great. I like Arnell. I got no problems with Arnell. I just want fucking Kane out of that band, just like Neil Sean. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but man, it was just like a clip, you know, a little glimpse of what could be. And it's like, you know, these guys, you know, they're up there. There's not much time left. I would love to say I finally saw Journey. Even if Steve Perry's not there, I'd go see Arnell, you know, and, and Dean Castronova singing with Greg Raleigh. And I would be more than happy. Especially because, you know, it would be more of the, the old school Journey set list with Greg Raleigh in the lineup. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, I've, I, I, I've seen him many times with... Well, not many times, like three times with Arnell and Dean Krasternova. But that last time I saw him at the Hard Rock, I said, dude, no way you can pay me to see fucking Journey anymore. But with, Oh, really? But you bring Greg Raleigh, then I'll say, okay, I'll pay. I'll see it for that. Yeah. But that it was just so pedestrian. And, I don't know. It, it's just not Journey to me, you know. But bring Greg Raleigh, you know. So it'll be, to me, it'll be like watching the Raleigh Sean band, you know? Not Journey, yeah. still, it'd be awesome. I don't want to see Arnell and Kane, and I don't want to see that shit no more. It just doesn't yeah. interest me. I've heard I heard that last album, that they, they just released an album with Arnell. Yeah. It's not bad. I mean, it, That's what I heard. I, I got it, and I haven't listened to it yet. It rocks, but, you know, it's still not classic killer journey but it's a fun listen it's a nice listen but i'm listening to this record and i'm like all right let me go look at their set list and see what they're playing off this record they play one song oh yeah yeah what the what's the point 
Yeah, but that's you. You gotta think. You know who who's going to these shows? You know, it's the people that like the '80s journey. It really is. You know, it's the fucking soccer moms and uh, you know the guys who just played nine holes of golf that are going to see this shit. You know, it, it's not the old school fans, but this is something that would drag somebody like you and me out there. And you know the way you feel about you know 70s reo and you know 70s sticks is how i feel about 70s journey and i'm a huge fan of the first three albums uh you know before steve perry even came along uh to me it's just great 70s like classic rock and shit and oh yeah check it out go check out uh you know of a lifetime with him it, it's it's awesome i know you know you know that song right Dude, I love Old Journey. I have awesome. the first one awesome. on vinyl. Technically, I have awesome. double because yeah. I have the first three vinyls, and then I have this double album called In the Beginning. That's uh, yeah, the first yep. three vinyls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love yeah. all that stuff. I know, you know, there are those people out there, the purists. Oh, they sucked ever since they brought in Two Can Sam. You know, Steve Perry. Dude, I thought they got better with Carrie. I love that early journey stuff, but give me Infinity, Evolution, and Departure over oh, the first three albums any day, any day. Oh, well, I, I don't know if I go that far. I love them all the same, but I think, you know, the power of when you could go back and forth between Perry and Raleigh was really good. Yeah, I mean, and, love it. you know, prime, love stuff. prime example, you know, songs like just the same way and uh and anytime feeling that way oh i never get I, but that. I thought raleigh even shined harder with perry in the band when they would mad yeah. no, the songs were better i just thought they were a better better band when perry joined uh, i just thought they came so much better with you know not only his vocals but yeah. i thought the songs were better and there's some great songs out oh there, yeah albums but they're you know, a little jazzy in spots, you know. Yeah. They, they, it's, a lot, it's very adventurous. Where when they got Journey, right. it became like a machine. Or what people would call corporate rock. Give me corporate. I love right. rock. Journey is corporate <laughs> rock. I'm proud to say I'm a huge fan of corporate rock. I love what the Ramones hated. And I love the Ramones. But they hated that shit. And so did, you know, wrong yeah. scene, but dude, give me early REO and fucking Kansas Journey, Sticks. I love all that Boston. Come on, man. 70s ruled hard for another fucking decade. It became the gaties after that. I, 1984 <laughs> was good. Everything up to 1984 for me was yeah. good. Yeah, there are exceptions like your Terminators and Goodfellas. But honestly, man. Uh, the 70s up to 84 was the prime. Dude, think about the fucking blues, brother. Bro. That was yeah. like 80, but you know that shit was filmed in 79? Yeah. That's the best shit. Godfather, Jaws, Taxi Driver. Oh. And Exorcist. Come oh, on. I was I was thinking of you last night. I was watching this review. Uh, they're putting out, I believe it's released next week. They're putting out a 4K uh restoration of marathon man 
Oh, and I saw it. It it looks incredible. One of my favorite movies, man. And, and and the guy was just gushing about. It. He goes, you know, by far my favorite era of the movies. You know, the, the 70s. Yeah. And, and and oh my god, they showed the restoration they did on this. Oh my god, it looks so. I I can't wait to get it. That's a great movie. Love it. Is it safe? <laughs> Is it safe? Fucking <laughs> movie, old art. I saw that in the theater. That's another beautiful thing about the 70s. I just brought this up today. Because today is the anniversary of Slapshot. Released in oh, 1957. Wow. It's today. And me and my friend, Eladio, I'm still friends with I talked to him about this today. Said, dude, isn't it cool? We were like, dude, we were like 12 years old. 10, 11 years old. Going to the theater to see Slapshot. Marathon. <laughs> the Exorcist. And they let us right in. They didn't give a fuck back then. The 70s theater ushers owned, man. I saw all, the Omen, you name it. I saw all those movies that were forbidden for us little kids to see. Plug, plug down our money and they let us right in. Never a question. I never got denied to see our movie as a little kid, ever. <laughs> I support a bitch. <laughs> oh, speaking of. Your friends in Hylia, Florida. <laughs> I got an issue with one of your friends who I love. <laughs> I saw a post from who do I love, Ralph? Oh, Ruben De La Rosa. <laughs> uh, the post it was in some other group had nothing to do with us, of course, because he doesn't listen to the show. Yeah, but uh, it was. Name the best three Motley Crue songs. And well, I wrote it that. Well, I just wrote Livewire. Did, did you see what Ruben, Ruben put? Uh, uh, <laughs> he put... Uh, number two was Knock'em Dead Kid. Great song. Number, number three was Livewire. My favorite. But, but his number one Motley Crue song was merry-go-round. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, almost, I almost unfriended him. <laughs> no, you I, know, actually, I actually do like that song, but dude, that would nowhere be near the top favorite Motley Crue song. Not even close. It probably would, like, you know, nip the top 20. Well, well, knowing how many good songs they have, it probably nip the top 10. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, the seventies fucking rule, goddammit. The best. The fucking sure. best. Archie Bunker. Fred Sanford. Come oh. on. Man, I, I tell you, I went what was it? Probably about three years ago now. Uh but I went on a kick where I rewatched every single episode of All in the Family. It's the greatest show ever. And, holy shit did it hold up. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and the thing about a lot of the, the 70 shows that are considered classics like Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, you know, All in the Family, they didn't have the freedom to be as dirty as you could be now. So they had to be extra funny and, and they had to find ways to be, you know, subtle with it and, and have like, you know, the underlying, like you knew what they were talking about. 
but they had to find alternative ways to say it. But man, does it fucking hold up? And, you know, and some of the shit that people consider classic shows now, like, you know, I'm sorry, shit like Seinfeld and Friends I could give two fucks about, you know, doesn't hold shit. But goddamn, All in the Family was fucking incredible. I like, I like Seinfeld, but I hate Friends. Yeah. I like the show Friends. I just hate my friends. <laughs> yeah. You, you hate friends who love merry-go-round and yeah. Sammy Hagar. <laughs> at least, at least Ruben stands tall with us Sammy Hagar haters. Because Ruben's a cool kid. Because cool kids hate on Sammy Hagar. Well, that's that's a given. That's a given. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and, and people who like Sammy Hagar uh, are forced to adopt Asian children with their husband. Uh, but anyway... Uh, next story. Uh, here's something uh, pretty interesting. I saw uh, my my friend. I you know friend I use loosely. You know we're acquaintances, but we've hung out a couple, well, a bunch of times actually. Kirk Weinstein from Crowbar uh, put a post on Facebook saying he was going to Florida to work on a new project, and he was very excited about it. And then it turned out to be released a couple days ago that him and original uh, Crowbar bass player Todd Strange have a new band with Kenny Hickney and uh, Johnny Kelly from uh, Typo Negative. They have a new project called I Am, spelled E-Y-E-A-M. And very interested to hear that. Uh, I mean, you just think of those two styles, Typo and and crowbar not really the same but in a way i can see it working i know kirk is a huge huge typo negative fan but uh you know i know he's not gonna be doing no peter Steele shit but uh it sounds like a really interesting combination to me and i for one cannot wait to hear it i was very very impressed with kirk's solo album uh, i believe you listened to that too right i own it on vinyl from the nice people at e1 sent me a copy Oh, I dug it. I dug it a lot. And, uh, yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to hearing this one. I, You know, there was all this talk about, you know, him coming back to Down and, and Down getting ready to do some shit, and I was so happy to see him back in the band, you know, and then this whole Pantera reunion happened, and I think kind of put all that on the back burner. So I like, I like seeing him do these side projects. I was, uh... I was a big fan of what he did with Jamie Josta from Hatebreed. He had a band called Kingdom of Sorrow. And I particularly liked the second record a lot more because the first record was a lot more of Josta. I think like Josta on vocals and stuff where the second album was more split between the two. And I don't, I don't hate Hatebreed, but I'm not a huge fan either. Um, but uh, I like seeing him step out doing, you know, stuff outside of Crowbar. Because this guy listens to, you know, all kinds of different shit, has all kinds of different influences, and I love seeing him explore the different avenues. I think it's great. Looking forward to it. Right on. All right, let's see what else we got here. Oh, God. Did you see uh, Joe Perry's resurrecting the Joe Perry Project, and Gary Sharon's going to be the singer? Wow, that's awesome, dude. You get to see um, Joe Perry, the legend, with some jackass dancing around him. 
with those stupid oh. thorns. Yeah, right on. Yeah. I get it though, because I mean, if you paid attention recently, I mean, look at all the problems Joe Perry was having while he was touring with Hollywood Vampires. You know, like you know, falling down on stage or getting sick. And if Joe Perry's half dead, you're not going to notice that because you're going to be too busy in disgust throwing up watching Gary Sharon dance around. <laughs> you know, it's funny. That's, uh, another thing I, I saw on, on, on Twitter the other day uh, was it was a video of Gary Sharon dancing around and Yannick Gear said, what a homo. <laughs> and then he also put hashtag only cool kids. Make fun of Sammy Hagar. Yeah. The, See, it's, it already, pretty, it's already catching on. It's showing even yeah. up. <laughs> you know, you know, I saw a meme the other day. It was really funny. It's like what Iron Maiden sees when they when they play a show and they show a concert. And then they go, what the crowd sees. And it shows Iron Maiden in concert, but a ballerina is covering that. <laughs> uh, that is, uh, guy, so, I mean, yeah. Uh, every time I, I look at that guy during Maiden, it's like, you know, the cool thing about him, if you just look a little to the right, it's like seeing the peace of mind Iron Maiden lineup. You know, he's <laughs> all the way prancing over there on the left. Just look to the right, get him out of your fucking eyes. You'll enjoy the show much more. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, there's Iron Maiden and a very effeminate Joe Cocker spazzing out. <laughs> you know? fucking ballerina <laughs> oh god uh here's something's very interesting but i did hear i i guess it turned out to be fake news first but then it got confirmed i initially saw reports that both surviving members of the beatles were going to be performing on a new album by the rolling stones and i thought oh my god i mean that's killer i mean you know bill wyman's retired uh, you know, and unfortunately we lost Charlie Watts and like, wow, combining two of the biggest bands of all time uh, is pretty amazing. But it turns out, at least as of now, reports of Ringo Starr playing with the Rolling Stones uh, turned out to be false. But it is confirmed that Paul McCartney is playing bass on at least one new track on a new Rolling Stones album. Well, hopefully, so, uh, hopefully Paul will also play guitar on the tapes Keith Richards using now. Have you heard this? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think we touched upon that in the last episode, and uh, yeah, I was really sad to hear about that. Now, whether it's true or not, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that would suck. But but wow, what an interesting. I would love to hear. You know. Paul, who I think is a very underrated bass player, and, and just to see these two fucking legends come together, it, to me it'd be even more special if Ringo was there, though. That would be really, like, I think that would be some next level shit. Yeah. But even if, if it's just Paul on one song, I would love to hear it. Now, apparently, uh, Keith Richards released a statement, you know, saying you have not heard the last of Charlie Watts which is alluding to some of this, you know, these tracks might have been recorded prior to his death, um, which is great too. You know, I'd love to hear some some unreleased stuff. You know, are they gonna kind of do a thing like what ACDC did with the last album where, you know, they're using some recordings of Malcolm. Uh, 
I'm all good with that. You know, in, in reality, uh, you know, this will probably be, I didn't even know they were doing it, but you got to think this would be the last uh, studio album from the Stones. I mean, they haven't done a, uh, an album of new material since uh, A Bigger Bang. I think that was, what, 2008 or something like that? Yeah. Um, Not about yeah, that. No, no, no. There's some real... It's an overlong album. It's a victim of the CD age. I mean, if they would have cut, I think there's like 15 songs. If they would have cut that shit down to 10, uh, I think people would look at it a lot more fondly. Uh, they did a really cool that Blue and Lonesome that was all blues covers. I, I enjoyed that much like I enjoyed uh, the Aerosmith one that was all the blues covers. But uh, yeah. Fucking hey, you know, I, I love seeing these guys do this shit, you know, it's like, fuck, you know, the clock's fucking ticking. Yeah, ain't like you're going to see no uh, new Pink Floyd album, <laughs> you know, with the oh, shit going out there. That's so, uh, yeah, but no, see Paul McCartney with the fucking Stones? I mean, oh, yeah, fucking sign me up for that one. Oh, yeah. All right, what else we got? Oh, a after... Uh, Months of speculation and guesses, Fear Factory uh, revealed the identity of their new song, and it's some guy from Italy nobody heard of. Oh, so. wow, him? Yeah, yeah, they got him. Nobody heard <laughs> of from Italy. Yeah. yeah. heard of from Italy, he's legendary. How'd they get him? <laughs> well, apparently you had to fill out a form, and he answered the question correctly. Do you make fun of Sammy Hagar? And he said yes. Oh, that he's so a cool. Said, oh. Yeah, they're like, okay, you're cool. Yeah. Right on. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Guns N' Roses, I guess, announced a, a world tour. Oh, yeah, they're coming that way. They're, they're playing the Hard Rock. You know, that, you know it's, a, it's just a casino, you know? So those tickets will be going for, yeah. like, I don't know, four or 5,000 each. Boy, I can't wait to be front row for that. Is it, is, it, is it the same place we saw Priest at? Well, it's the same place, but not the same venue because they rebuilt it. And mm. it looks a hundred million times nicer now. It sounds better now. It's That's where I saw Metallica, you know? Yeah. All these big bands played there. The Stones played there. McCartney played there. Guns yeah. played there before. You know, it's those shows that's like thousands and thousands of dollars for a seat. You know, because the casino pays them X amount of money. The casino fucking rates people for those seats, you know, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll see Guns N' Roses again if it's affordable, you know, but I ain't going to pay no more than fucking 100 for to see them, you know? Chuck Charles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, well, he probably plans on buying himself a new ticket because he thinks he's going to make money off uh, Freeform, but he's going to find out very shortly. <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody buying those t-shirts. Uh, all yes. right. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody making those t-shirts either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next story. We've got some great news. This is this is fantastic news. Uh, apparently, Y&T frontman Dave Manichetti is in total remission after fighting prostate cancer. Well, the, the problem is, is that prostate cancer got a bad case of Dave Manichetti, bitch. That's Dave Manichetti, <laughs> bro. Motherfucker kicked cancer right in the asshole. 
I love that dude. Dave Manichetti, fucking legendary. How that guy plays, oh my God, what a fucking guitar player, man. And I love his voice and I love Y&T, man. Fucking awesome band, love them. Right on, Dave McKenney. And I met yeah. him. I met him, I chatted with him. Guy couldn't have been cooler, man. Fucking awesome. Yeah. Dude, I saw you in 1984 with Twisted Sister. He remembered that shit, he even said, yeah, and Dawkins, right? I go, yeah, Dawkins. Y&T and Twisted Sister. What a fucking show. Yeah. Dave Manichetti rules. Yeah, and you know, I still... Uh, I still think he sounds a little bit too much like Sammy on some stuff. But I, I really have warmed up to him a lot more than I used to. But regardless of that, I'm just happy to see him beat this. You know, unfortunately, we've lost so many members... You know, original. I think he isn't he the only surviving original member of Y and T. Yeah, they all. Yeah, they all. I, I think they've all passed away. And the the good thing is too, I heard nothing but stories like what you just said about Dave Manichetti. Uh, just that he is a super, super uh, individual, so cool with the fans and stuff like that. And I love that you know he's never stopped playing. Uh, you know, Y&T never made it, like, huge, but they do have their following. But he, he never gave up. He's constantly, uh, you Taking know, he's trucking along. Yeah, that, that's, you know, and, you know, prostate cancer is one of the worst that you can get. Uh, you know, that's usually a fucking death sentence. Uh, so that he's beaten that and he's in remission. That's amazing. I hope he's around for years to come and making more music. I'm very happy for him. That's incredible news. Long live Manichetti. Yeah. And, and if I ever see him live, play Dirty Girl. I love that fucking song. Yeah, great tune. Oh, my God. That is so dirty and grimy. That's, that's one of those... That's the holy trinity, uh, Ian. Fucking Earthshaker, yeah. Black Tiger, Mean Street. Those three albums, can't fuck with them, man. Can't. Well, you know, that that was one of those pleasant surprises I, when I was doing my radio show. I had a request for some Y&T. And really, the only Y&T song at that point that I liked is something most Y&T fans hate. But I do love the song Contagious. Uh, but I know it's not very representative of their sound. So I was like, okay, let me go back. I knew what was considered their classic albums. And I just kind of scrolled through, and I saw the name Dirty Girl. I was like, well, that sounds good. Let me check it out. So it was a blind play on my radio show. And I was like, holy fuck, does this song kick ass. I mean, just that dirty, slow, stomping groove to it. Oh, oh, is that a good song. Amazing song. All right, well, that is it for our lengthy news segment. I know that's, uh, you know, a lot of people, that's their favorite thing, even over the album review, is our news. We enjoy doing that. But today we are doing an album that is just as enjoyable. Hey, 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 I got to stop you there, Ian. Okay. Because I got a theme song. Okay. Now it's time for Raps News. Uh-oh, Rash News. Yeah. That? You know that song Jane from Jefferson Starship? Fucking love it. Love that song. It says, Jefferson Starship track 
you know, it's gaining traction because of Cocaine Bear, the movie Cocaine Bear. Oh, nice. I saw Cocaine Bear on Tuesday. I saw it early. Oh, oh, you you did? Oh. Yeah, my my niece got two free tickets, so I saw Cocaine Bear, and I don't remember hearing Jane in that movie. I don't remember it. Really? Might have been in the credits. I don't know, but well, I, I will say uh, not to cut you off, but I did hear a review of it, and it was one of one of the positive aspects they were given it, it was the music used in the movie they they said it was really cool what they what they put in it musically so do you remember any other good songs besides jane being used i in don't it? remember man it's a good movie though it's funny but it's, yeah, were, it's also great were you, were you coked out of your mind when you saw it no i was actually 100 percent sober believe it or not <clears throat> But uh, <clears throat> but the bear wasn't. Boy, that bear was dead. <laughs> a lot of cocaine that bear ate. And his little cup. <laughs> it's a fun watch. It was a fun watch. It wasn't bad. But yeah, I, I remember hearing Jane. Oh. Well, I will definitely check that out. And uh, it should be noted the last, uh, last movie Ray Liotta made before he passed away. Yeah, he wasn't that much in the movie, and then at, at the very end, they dedicated it to him. And love oh, him. nice. I, I mean, he was one of the main characters, but, you know, he showed up a little in the beginning, a little in the middle, and a little at the end, you know? But Ice, Ice Cube's kid's in the movie. Yeah, O'Shea Jackson. He looks yeah. like Ice Cube. Yes, he does. Yeah, my niece pointed that out. I go, oh, yeah, I see the similarities of... Uh, you know, um, I, Ice Cube and him, they kind of look, you know, the same, you know? A little yeah. bit. All right, yeah. next story. Ready for this one? Okay. All right. Paul Stanley loves rare quality behind Gene Simmons' stick. I don't know what that means. Let's skip that story, Ian. <clears throat> okay. All right. Liam Neeson chooses marriage. Over James Bond. What do you think of that? That Liam Neeson guy. You know, that Liam Neeson's pretty badass in that one movie where they kidnap his daughter. He's like, I will find you and I will kill you. What's the name of that movie? That shit was that. Believe it or not, I've never seen that, but I know the movie you're talking about. Taken. Yeah, it's awesome. They they made like uh, three. Yeah, they made three of them. Yeah, I saw. Well, I, I don't know if I saw a third one, but I saw a second one. I was very disappointed. But that first one, dude, the badass, man. I will find you and I will kill you. And what does he do? Check this out. He finds them and kills them. That's badass. He actually predicted the future. Well, anyway. I know. Well, like I said, I haven't seen it. But I heard, like, in the movie when he when he says that line, he called up Bushy after he said that he liked OU812 better than uh, Fair Warning. And then Bushy laughed going, you you actually believe I mean that? Come on. <laughs> Nobody thinks that way. I'm fucking with you idiots. <laughs> True story. Right. But yeah, no, I, I did see that. Uh, his, his wife at the time, well, his fiance at the time, Natasha Richardson, said that, uh, yeah, either we get married or you play James Bond. And uh, yeah, that kind of sucks, but uh, he was in love with his wife. She, she was a beautiful woman, and uh, he was all about her, so, you know. 
He made his. I don't know if he would have been a great James Bond though. I, I love Liam Neeson. I really do. Terrific actor. I don't see him as James Bond though. Anyway, so the point is moot to me. All right, all right. How about this one? Rob Halford calls Rock Hall every day to vote for Iron Maiden. Boy, he seems desperate to go out on tour with him, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's great he's showing his uh, support for him. I mean, uh, you know, but they may not look at it the same way we do. I don't see anything wrong with it. I think he just wants to see them be acknowledged, and uh, I think that's great. But yeah, I'm sure he does want to go on that fucking tour, which I cannot wait for that tour. God, I can't wait till they announce U.S. dates. Because if I got to go to fucking Canada, I'm going to Canada to see that shit. I want to hear some somewhere in time, goddammit. Yeah. All That's right. Evil. Final story. Let's see what's here. Let's see. Uh, watch a trailer for new YouTube documentary featuring David Letterman. I hate this shit telling me to watch something I don't want to watch. You want to watch that shit? You like YouTube? Uh, yes, I do. Why, why am I in a show with you, dude? Seriously. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Hey, like, hey. Like they suck. You yeah. like ABBA and sticks. You like ABBA and sticks. We got we to gotta compromise here. Uh, no. They, the ABBA and sticks are... And, awesome. and, and for uh, Mr. Chuck Charles, I love Winger. So... Oh, he, yeah. He put, up, he put up a post telling anybody to leave the page who likes Winger. Well, you can't kick me out, motherfucker. I'm an administrator. I'm on the show. And I like me some goddamn winger. Hey. Yeah. Hey, Chuck. I'm leaving <laughs> that fucking group. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Fuck that group. Like, winger-loving faggots. <laughs> hey. Hey, at least I mean, fair warning's better than OU812. You know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not that bad. Yeah, that's true. Remember, cool kids make fun of San Diego. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, YouTube sucks, and so does uh, uh, whatever the fuck you like, and I don't. That shit sucks too. <laughs> I hear you. All right, you got any more stories? Um, no. <laughs> All right, well, now we'll get into the review. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of compliments on the last episode, Ralph, on our uh, Aerosmith Toys in the Attic. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people said, uh, yeah, these fan episodes have been kind of a struggle. And they said they could hear in our voices uh, the excitement talking about an album that uh, we both loved. Uh, even though you loved it more than me, we both agreed it was a great album. Uh, you know, but they said they loved hearing that in their voice, and I hope they hear it in this episode, because uh, this is one that I had no idea was a fan episode that was left, but it was brought to my attention by somebody that I absolutely trust, and this could have been a leftover from a previous Rockin' Pod, because Lord knows we were still doing some ones from some other Rockin' Pods. Uh, and he said, uh, he told me, he goes, you know, normally I... I know you guys want to get these fan episodes done, so I wouldn't even mention it if it was an album I thought you guys would love to do. And he was absolutely right. The man's name is Michael Lynch. 
We'll talk way more about him at the end of this episode, but a very important member of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast family. And the album that he picked was Overkill, The Years of Decay. And this worked out perfect because I had a lot of shit going on this week, and I got to Ralph just this morning, people. Keep this in mind. Just this morning. Hey, can you record tonight? Here's an album I know you're not going to have to study. And this is something that, this is an album we would do anyway, whether it was a fan request or not. It's just, we haven't got to it yet. But Overkill, Years of Decay, holy shit. Uh, Very excited to talk about this album. Yeah, man, it's my favorite Overkill album. Uh, It's got some potato chips there. Yeah, well, let me (laughs) see. They're called Three Cheese Flavor Layers from Lay's. Yeah, well, they're making a huge appearance. We might as well give them a plug. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Brought to you from Manscaped. <laughs> Shave your nuts. Uh, but yeah, this is one I'm totally excited to do. And I, I was looking up how many Overkill albums we've done yet. I thought we had done more, but we this is only our fourth. Uh, we've done Taken Over, and the two other ones we've done, interestingly enough, were fan-picked episodes. We did The Grinding Will for Renee uh, Allenheim Sorensen, and we did uh, I Hear Black for Chris Daniels. Cool. So w- once again, we are doing a very wise pick uh, for one of our listeners, The Years of Decay. And Ralph and I were talking earlier today, and he goes, spoiler alert, he goes, oh, great, you know, the best one. Overkill at their pinnacle, you know? And I was like, well, I love it, but come on horoscope and he's like yeah years of decay so over the course of this we'll see if you know my opinions change uh but either way regardless this is something fuck yeah i'm ready to talk about this especially getting excited because uh you know within a month we're gonna have a new overkill record scorch and i love the two tracks i've heard so far so i'm excited about that but uh, I'm going to let Ralph finish his chips, and I'll go into my history with Overkill. And I know I've said it a lot in the past, but this was a band in the 80s I didn't care for. I made fun of when they would, you know, when me and my friends would watch them on Headbangers Ball, and they'd come on. And, of course, back then it was either, you know, Elimination or Hello from the Gutter. Could not get into it because of Blitz's vocals. And I was just like, yeah, whatever, you know. I'd goof on it the same way I'd goof on uh, Sabotage when they'd show the Hall of the Mountain King video. Even me and my dad used to love making fun of that shit. Um, but come the late 90s, as Ralph was saying earlier, you know, today about, you know, when bands he couldn't stand, you know, were the flavor of the month and that was everything. It made him retreat, you know, into death metal, into black metal, into, into checking out other shit. And it did the same for me. I mean, there was some of those bands of that era that I did like. Uh, you know, he named ones that I liked. <laughs> you know, like Power Man. I, I was going to Power Man concerts. But overall, yeah, that was not the scene for me. It was not the metal I came up with. Uh, and it made me go back into the history of metal and bands that I passed around, you know, the first time. And Overkill was one of those. At the time, I think I, 
I still had a subscription to like BMG. I think Columbia House was already gone, but there was BMG. And I had like so many picks and I, I'm trying to find something that I didn't have already. And I saw Overkill had just put out a cover album called Coverkill. And I was like, you know, I used to make fun of this band, but God damn, they just won't go away. And there's, you know, you still keep hearing shit about Overkill. There must be something I missed. Let me go back and, you know, see if I'm changing my feelings. And I got that Coverkill album and loved it. And that made me go back. And the only thing that bothered me was his voice. And it is. It's one of the, believe it or not, there's people who don't like Rush because of Kenny Lee's voice. Uh, you know, the same thing, you know, you hear it all the time. Even my son was telling me, he's like, you like King Diamond, you know, and he tried to get into King Diamond because he loves Metallica. And Metallica did the Merciful Fate thing, and he tried listening to it. He's like, oh, I can't, I can't get past the voice. And, you know, I was just telling the other week, I was like, yeah, I, get, I go, I used to be that way, but now I love it, and the music is incredible. And sometimes it just takes time, and that's what it was with Overkill. And as I went back, I would say... There's probably no thrash band that I listen to more than Overkill. And I think out of, you know, the thrash bands, they have them some good chips, huh? Um, yum, yum, they, yum, yum, <laughs> yum, yum. They have the most solid discography of thrash. I don't think they've ever put out a bad album. There's some I like more than others, but I don't think there's one like Oh, that's just shit. You know, I won't listen to it. And the more and more I listen to this band, the more and more I fall in love with it. I don't think that could, you know, I don't think I could like them anymore, but I always end up liking them even more. And when me and Ralph were on our break and I did Diablos with Josh Toomey and he set up the interview with me and Blitz, couldn't have been a nicer guy. Uh, I mean, seriously, we, we started out doing an interview and they were doing sound checks. He's like, oh, fuck this, it's too loud. Come on the bus. You know, and, and there I'm on their tour bus doing this interview, you know, and then here comes Dee Dee and shit. It was fucking amazing. And uh, uh, Toomey told me, he talked to him like a month or two later. He's like, yeah, you did, a, you did an interview with uh, my co-host. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, that guy was in the pit all night long. <laughs> and I was. I, I you know, I, I did the interview, then I did the the meet and greet with them. And then the rest of the night, I was in the fucking pit. Uh, it's just overkill, man. To me, I, I don't know, you, you can't take away the importance of Metallica and, and, you know, the big four in general. But I think overkill is just as good, if not better. And, and definitely much more solid discography. And these guys, 20-something fucking albums in. And I think they benefit from never, uh, you know, they never made it huge, but I think that's always kept them hungry. And no matter what the lineup changes are, it always sounds like fucking overkill. Um, just absolutely amazing. You got some thoughts on overkill there, boss? Yeah, but first, I, I, I thought that came to my head. I was like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot. Uh, Ian did a show with that Scott, Scab Dr. Fuck. <laughs> that guy was such a scab. Did you ever hear my interview with, with Blitz? No, I did not. Oh, you should check it out. It was a lot of fun. 
I will, dude. All right, so my history with Overkill. I heard Wake the Dead from Feel the Fire, and I was like, ooh, who's this fucking band? Then I heard Rotten to the Core. I bought uh, Feel the Fire. Huge fan to this day of that album. I would play that album nonstop, and before Taking Over came out, I hunted down the original Overkill EP. First thing they they released, uh, big fan. Taking Over came out, loved it. Not as good as Feel the Fire, in my opinion, but I still loved it. It had a couple eh, songs on there. I loved it. Under the Influence came out, horrified me, man. I like Shred, and I like Head First, and that's it. I think the rest of that album is just them like jumping on the anthrax. Let's, we're happy. We're happy thrash. So, you know, happy thrash pisses me off. It just gets to me. But unlike anthrax, who they did that shit, you know, I was already thinking, man, they're getting a little too happy on this state of euphoria shit. But unlike anthrax, overkill follows that up with their best fucking album ever. Unlike Anthrax, that list that that took out that album that sucks called Persistence of Time. That album, uh, horrible, horrible. Not a good song. Uh, Not a good song uh, at all. Piece of shit album. Ah, fuck you, Persistence of Time. And I really had high hopes for that album. I thought, all right, come on, Scott. You know, you did S.O.D. Come on, come on, impress me here. And that album is just horrible. Now, Overkill releases this fucking, the greatest fucking Overkill album ever. They never top this album. Now, I'm not an Overkill hater, as you all know. Definitely not a fan like Ian, though. Because I think they do have some crappy albums, especially their latest ones. I didn't like those last two albums. I liked uh, uh, White Devil Armory. Uh, the two after that, no thank you. You know, I liked, you know, and then a lot of albums before that, they had a great song like Electric Rattlesnake and this and that, but as a whole album, it's just, to me, it's just the same, the same, the same. And I get it. They want to be like the Ramones of Thrash. They want to repeat the same because they are huge Ramones fans. But to me, man, they have firing on all cylinders in Year Decay. I mean, that shit is even better than Feel the Fire, in my opinion. <clears throat> Turret totally buries everything that came out before it and after. <clears throat> Your Decay fucking owns. And I'll never forget when I first, well, actually, I saw Elimination, that video. And I was like, ooh, oh, now that's a cool Overkill song. Let me check out that album. And man, that album, when I put this shit on, I bought it on compact disc. And when I put that shit on, when I got home, I was like, Dude, on first listen, I was like, this, this is the best shit they've ever done. And I still feel that way to this day. Oh, amazing album, Year of Decay Rules. One song I don't like off it, though. There is one song. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Because there's, uh, well, fuck it, we'll get to it when we get to it. But, uh, damn, you seem so passionate about this album. Why don't you take the first track, Time to Kill? Hate the beginning. I hate every fucking album that starts with that little low build-up noise. I hate that shit with a passion. Just get into the fucking song already. And when they do, oh boy. 
It's worth that annoying little wait. 20-second wait of a guitar warming up or some shit. What a song. Time to kill that and the changes. It's a great intro. The best song on here to open the album, hands down. But the greatest opening song that they've ever done is Deny the Cross. But I digress. Time to Kill is fucking awesome. It's fast, crunchy, slow, grinding. Hell of a track. Love it. Time to Kill rules. Well, I concur. Uh, well, I, I, don't, I don't mind the intro. Uh, I love everything about this. But to my ears, finally, Overkill gets the production that they deserve. I think... Everyone sounds incredible on this, man. The drums, you know, uh, Sid Flack is their drummer by this point. Rat Skates left after uh, the Fuck UEP. Uh, but Dee Dee sounds amazing. Uh, you know, and, and Bobby's guitars, holy shit. You know, he said, you know, this is his favorite overkill. And he says, finally, they got his guitars right. He said on, on Feel the Fire, he didn't like it. You know, it was like, eh, whatever, not too buried. On, um, on, uh, what's, what's the second one? Taking yeah, Over. Yeah, on Taking Over, he said they were too loud in the mix. He said on Under the Influence, it was too dry. But he said right here, everything was perfect. And I agree. I just think it's amazing. This is East Coast Thrash at its best, riffs for days, a great album opener, and I love the outro to this when Bobby just goes off and just, you know, just does a solo at the fucking end. And, I mean, this really is like the Bobby album. I mean, seeing that it's a swan song with the band, what a fucking, you know, what a way to go out, you know? I wish it would have continued, but man, the guitars on this. You know, I'll get into it more as the songs go on, but this is the Bobby album. And absolutely love this one. Uh, I'll take the next one. You know, the, probably the most well-known song off of this, the single off the album. Elimination. All-time classic. And the fucking guitars on this. The bass. The pounding drums. Uh, you, you got Blitz sounding like Beavis's pissed-off older brother. Oh, and that solo on this. Holy shit. It, you know, and, and now, you know, it shows you why they needed two guitar players to replace Bobby Gunnison. Especially on this album, I think I noticed it more on any of the albums from his era, is the overdubs on this. I mean, you got him laying down all these rhythm tracks and then the leads on top of it. Like, I could imagine pulling this off live with, with just him by himself because of what he did out of this. Uh, holy shit. You know. It's totally like Beavis is out, but it's so fucking badass. Uh, overkill to the fucking core. Classic track. What do you think, Rob? Hell yeah. Second favorite track off this album. Song about AIDS, I think. Probably not. Who do I what do I know? All I know is this song fucking rules, man. With the, yeah, and it has that little hook, the E, little elimination. You, that's a thing that you remember. And I remember, man, this album came out, people were digging it. 
I saw <clears throat> I saw them on this tour at the Bud South, which is a club. And boy, it couldn't get more packed than that. I mean, they, that was them at their most popular in South Florida. Because every time I saw them after that, it wasn't that packed. They were fucking on fire. And uh, this song, dude, it's, it's definitely, to me, it's like, fuck hello from the gutter. And in Union We Stand, fuck those songs. This is the definitive fucking overkill song. Only one they should play. Stop playing Hello from the Gutter and and in Union We Stand. I, well, I understand. You have nerds out there, you know, that, that would like to hear that. Not me. I want to hear Elimination every fucking show. This is a Stone Cold classic. Second favorite song off my favorite overkill album. Uh, next one's I Hate, right? Yes. <clears throat> stupid. I admit it. But I like stupid, okay? It's a stupid song that rules. Pretty much all I can say about it. It is a dumb song, but I love it. I love it. You know, it's a, it's a little too forceful on the, you know, fuck you type attitude. It's like, it doesn't come off as sincere, but at the same time, it's a thrashing tune, man. Fuck it. It's as sincere as it is. I still love it. Love, I hate you. It's good too, even though it's stupid as fuck. <laughs> well, to me, it's another fucking classic. And again, I can see why this is Bobby's favorite album. Because the guitar, the guitar fucking overdubs his tone on this. I mean, if you want to get a fucking a great sounding fucking album, you get Terry Date. This is the first of two albums they did with Terry Date. He did the next album, Horoscope. And this is why Pantera chose him to do Cowboys from Hell. is because Dimebag was in love with the production on this and specifically the guitar tones of Bobby Gustafson. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, killer. It, it is, I, I can see what you say about the dumb lyrics, but it, it's, it's no more retarded than like Twisted Sister shit that we love. And I, I think that's an East Coast thing. You know, it's a little bit more um, blue collar and, uh, you know, let, let's not worry about trying to be uh, Bob Dylan. Let's just fucking crank it out. And that's what I love about these guys. They, they just have that workman ethic that you get from the Ramones. You get from ACDC. It's not broke. Don't fix it. Let's, you know, we have a sound. Let's forge with it. And I hate is fucking awesome to me. But then we'll go on to the next track, Nothing to Die For. To me, this is the lost gem on the fucking record. And I cannot believe this is the only track on this album that's never been played live. I saw them play this live. They oh, totally, really? They totally played this live on that tour, yes. I remember okay. it. Okay, well, two websites I checked said this is the only one they never did, and you're very lucky if you got to see him play this. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I love this fucking track. To me, this is just as good, if not better, than anything that the big four were doing at this time or since. Uh, oh, my God, you know, the fucking bass on this, to me, hands down, the best bass player in fucking thrash. And I know a lot of people, oh, how can you say Cliff? You know, say Cliff because he's dead. I love Cliff. I love Cliff. I love Frankie Bello. Uh, 
You know, I love Steve DiGiorno Pizza. Great bass players. But to me, when you're talking about thrash bass players, there's Dee Dee Bernie and everybody else. Uh, just fucking amazing. This, uh, this is one people, you know, it, if I was trying to play one, you know, a song to somebody, it's like, eh, Neverland Overkill or, you know, The Voice, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, listen to Nothing to Die For. To me, this is a perfect fucking track. I, it's close to my favorite. I, 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 don't, I don't know. It, it's, it's right there on the cusp. But to me, this is like a lost gem. And, you know, as I'm listening to it and, you know, reiterating myself with this album you know i'm thinking back to talking to ralph earlier in the day where it's like oh this is their best album I'm like yeah I'm, I'm a horoscope guy uh but man after listening to this i was like you know what horoscope may be my favorite but how do you argue this is not their best fucking album when you hear a song like nothing to die for i mean this is just fucking stellar stellar to me and then there's a little little part of me that hopes this is your favorite. And then there's a little part that I don't give a shit what your fucking favorite is. But I, you know, I'd be pleasantly surprised if this is your favorite because I absolutely love this fucking track. What do you think, Ralph? No, but I love it, man. This song, what the guitar and the bass does. You know, when Dee Dee comes in with Bobby, then I think, man, Bobby is criminally underrated to me him and jeff waters are the best greatest guitar players in thrash hands down so amazing so and he's a buddy of mine man me and him hang man you know you're here talking about well bobby said uh you're the case favorite dude he gave me a long speech about that shit and yeah he went into the sound of feel of fire and, but he told me how much he loved year decay and I told him, dude, I did tell him, dude, I didn't like Under the Influence. And he's like, you know what? I didn't like that either, man. I mean, I thought that album was a little too happy, you know. Um, but, yeah, the rest I love, you know. And, well, I, I just feel that way. But, anyway, Night of Die For, yes, it was, as, as I recall, that night of the Button South, they played every single fucking song from this album. Every oh, okay. song. Yeah, not in order. They didn't do it like in its entirety, but you know, it, it was a long show. Bun South would end late. They played a long ass set. A lot of these bands in the late '80s or mid '80s, uh, they would play very long sets. The young bands, like Overkill and Exodus and all, they would play, you know, like fucking two hours, you know. And they did. They played like this whole album plus their, you know, the other the other ones, but. Yeah, it's a great standout track, man. Amazing song. Everybody's a fan. Sid is kicking ass on it. Very tight, and I love the that riff. You know how it's kind of quiet and then gets heavy? Let me live. Yeah, it's definitely one of the best songs on here. Definitely an overkill classic, as I would say. A crackhead classic. Well... Let me ask you, because in between listening to this album three times today, I, I know how vocal you've been about Under the Influence. So I'm like, well, let me listen to it again and see what Rouse bitching about. And I will say out of the first, you know, out of the Bobby albums, it's my least favorite. But there was really only like 
maybe two songs that I didn't care for, and some stuff like I really loved on it. Like I really didn't care for Mad Gone World and Brain Fade. I was kind of like whatever, but I yeah, mean shit like horrible. Yeah, but I mean like Head First, and uh, you know, and and That's Overkill that Three. What's that? Yeah, Overkill Three is not bad. Yeah, I forgot about that one, but Head First is like awesome. Yeah, I love Head First, and you know, Shred, Never Say Never, I dug. I've always loved Hello from the Gutter, and Drunken Wisdom's cool. I mean, I, I think they would uh, do a lot better with the slower numbers on this album, but I didn't think it was that horrible, but yeah, I mean, there was Mad Gone World and Brain Fade. I was like, eh, but other than that, there was some stuff I really dug. Uh, what's your problem? I mean, are there more songs that you can't stand on that one? I just thought it was a weak album, and it was them trying to cash in on the Anthrax, trying to do the okay. Anthrax thing. You know, it just felt forced. You know, it was, I gotcha. And I hated what they did on. I love the song "Fuck You," but I hated them throwing in Bobcat Goldthwait and all that shit because Anthrax did that with "On the Man" with Sam Kennison. Oh, it, it yeah. was try hard. It was like, God, just take out all those sound effects, and it'd be a badass song. You know, even though it's a cover. But still, right. I, uh, I hated right. that they, they they were just chasing Anthrax. And Anthrax at the time was getting up there. They weren't up there yet. And then they didn't get up there. You know, Anthrax, Anthrax was the second most popular thrash band of the 80s who got reduced to the fourth best when they did the big, big four tour because Megadeth and Slayer right. surpassed them in popularity. But And that started in 1980. Right. In 1990, when they had the Thrasher, the Titan show, dude, everybody was there, either Megadeth or uh, Slayer. Nobody cared for Anthrax at that point. People were just sick of them. And, uh, and you know, them well, trying to think, uh, also, if, if you look at that point, though, I mean, even though I love Persistence of Time, I mean, Megadeth and Slayer were on tour for two of their best albums, you know, Seasons and fucking Rust. You know, but look, look at what the bounce back was Megadeth did, you know, because a lot of people didn't care for so far, so good, so what, you know? Yeah, they didn't. And and then Rust in Peace blew everybody's mind. Yeah. You know, yeah. Rest, I mean, let me put it this way. You know, now they were saying they were flip-flopping. That's a bunch of bullshit. Most of those shows were Megadeth headlining, then Slayer, then Anthrax, then Allison Chains. That's how it was most that tour. When they played Madison Square Garden, Anthrax headline, because they threw them a bone, man. It's like, all right, they're a New York band. Yeah. But Megadeth was bigger than Slayer at that point. They were huge. I mean, that whole fucking thing was an arena show. It was an arena tour. I saw Thrash of the Titans. Oh, yeah. And Megadeth yeah. was fucking humongous at that point. Slayer was awesome, though. During seasons, they were badass, and they were... They, they, at that point, man, Megadeth and Slayer eclipsed Anthrax because Persistent yeah. didn't do no favors. And I think, you know, even though, like, now people look fondly back on uh, South of Heaven, and it's one of my favorites, but there was a lot of blowback on Slayer for South of Heaven, you know, for slowing it down. Yeah. And I think, and, and uh, you, you know, and people who weren't there at the time might not, you know, Oh, South of Heaven, it's classic. No, there was some blowback, but I think everybody loved Seasons 
when it came out, you know. So yeah, I can see that. All right. Well, I loved I love South of Heaven. A few songs I could have done without, but I thought it was a cool album. And it wasn't really that slow. It just started slow. And like a lot of people were like, whoa, what the fuck? But then you had, you know, Live on Dead, and, you know. Oh, yeah. Ghost of War. I mean, some fast ass songs, man. So, oh, yeah. It was a killer Slayer album that incorporated some slower stuff, but it didn't dominate that album, that's for sure. Right. But no, that's one of those things like you and me remember more because we were there at the time. But, you know, to somebody now, that wasn't there they look back and oh all these were considered classics back then and sometimes there was like you know the initial fan reaction wasn't the same no i remember i remember this uh south avenue blowback i mean it wasn't huge because you know Sarah wasn't huge it ain't like metallica you know metallica did right they were beyond huge slayer didn't have that many people to turn on them and there was a lot of faithful Slayer, I mean, people that, you know, gave up on Slayer on Seasons that liked South of Heaven. You know, I remember there was some yeah. on Seasons, but I, I loved them all. I thought everything they did with Lombardo was gold. And, you know, I mean, a few oh, yeah. in there off Seasons. Yeah, Seasons, I don't like the whole thing. Just like South, I don't like the whole thing. But there's some gems on both those albums. Born of Fire, fucking Spill oh, the fuck Blood. Yeah. Come on, that's some awesome shit, man. Oh, hell yeah. All right, well, we'll get back into this one, and why don't you take uh, the fifth track, Playing With Spiders slash Skull Crusher. Oh, my God, the opus on the album. Not my favorite, though, but the opus. Fucking godly. The beginning with the crazy guitar that Bobby does, and then it goes into this crunchy, Sabbathy. You know, you know, you, a lot of people point at I Hear Black when they went Sabbathy. They went Sabbathy right here. This thing is pure Sabbath with the crunchiness, long ass song that just grinds, and then it gets fast as fuck and goes back to the grinding. There's a sequel to this song. I don't know if you know this, Ian. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, Satan's Taint. That was Bobby Gus's band. They wrote a song called. Oh yeah, yeah. Skull Crusher 2. And, oh, uh, I, I don't have that one yet. I need to get that. Yeah, it's off the second album. It's awesome. My friend Paolo is the singer on it. It's awesome. Anyway. Oh, so um, you say Paolo's amazing, right? That's a guy that can sing anything? Yeah, Paolo's like definitely the best singer I've ever seen locally. That guy can do, let me put it this way. They did Cemetery Gates once with Paolo. And you know when, when Phil does those high notes with Dime at the end? Yeah. Well, you know, when Dime hits that final note, that real high one that Phil right. does sing, oh, Paolo sang it. Yeah. Paolo hit that oh, super sure. high note. Yeah, he's a bad Love him. But yeah, Skull Crusher, holy shit, man. This is what I'm talking about. And this is a band evolving right here. This doesn't sound like past overkill. You know, they, oh, yeah. they, they grinded this and made it into like a complete motherfucking classic and how cool is the title man skull crusher you know it's like just oh love it this is to me peak overkill absolutely love this song one of my favorites 
Well, I love it too. This is their longest song to date at over 10 minutes long. Um, I love that little intro, the playing with spiders parts. I hear a lot of like uh, early Maiden, like Killers era Maiden in that. Yeah. Before before the Sabbath uh, influence rears its head. Uh, to me, this is just like doom at its best. And, and you hit the nail on the head. This was very, very different for Overkill at the time. And, you, you know, you brought up a great point. You know, everybody talks about the Sabbath album being I Hear Black, which we both love. Um, isn't it you that was telling me about you had the friend who was a big Overkill fan? And uh, he saw him on that tour and told him he hated the new album. The old man Al Temple. Loved the first time I ever met him, I walked into a record store and he and he walks in and he tells the guy at the record store, Blitz from Overkill just called me. And I turn around, I see this guy who looks like Santa Claus. Old dude. I was like, What'd you just say, bro? And I became <laughs> and we became buddies and he was a huge overkill fan and Blitz would call him on the phone. And then when um I hear Black came. Blitz walks out of the tour bus. He's like, ow! Like, you know, he knew him, you know? And he's talking. Yeah. Oh, so, ow, what do you think of the new album? He's like, oh, it's horrible. <laughs> he's like, what? He's like, I want to hear some horoscope stuff. What is this stuff you're doing? This is crap. Get back into the thrash. <laughs> and Blitz wants to open to him because he did. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, she wasn't a fan of I Hear Black. Oh, uh, well, I love that album, and I love this song. Uh, yeah, Killer, and I, I totally need to check out that Satan's Taint. I'm going to look that shit up later tonight. Uh, uh, I also got to tell you, speaking of I Hear Black, let me look this up for a second. I will tell you right now. I Hear Black, this year, on March 9th, is the 30th anniversary of that album. So on March 9th, go to the Almost Human 56 YouTube page, because I did an episode called I Hear Black Turns 30 Years Old, and I speak about this album. March 9th, that's coming up soon. So check nice. it out, the Almost Human YouTube page. I praise this much-hated Overkill album. Nice. Well, you know I love that album, so I will definitely check that out. All right. Well, uh, yeah, to me, you know, Skull Crusher, that's doom fucking metal at its best. I love it. I'll take the next song, Birth Attention. Um, now, this one is probably my least favorite on the album. But to me, if this is the worst song on the album, uh, we're doing pretty good. Because it's not horrible, just to me, it doesn't stand out like the rest of the songs on this album. And uh, is this the one route that you don't like? I'm kind of are we in are we in Sapatico on this album or no? Well, no, it's not the one I don't oh. like. Yeah, I would put it down there, but I still like the song. It's a song I like that's not high on the list, but I love this song. Living with the tension, tension, tension. Yeah, it's fucking brutal and thrashy and, you know, this is when they, wow. came, they came out of Skull Cruncher going, look, we're going to get thrashy again for you. And it didn't sound forced. It sounded killer. It's a killer thrash song. I love Birth Attention. What's after that? The next song is Who Tends the Fire. Fucking masterpiece. 
fucking masterpiece. I'll never forget the year this album came out. I saw a concert and Testament canceled. It was Testament. Well, Testament didn't show up. Maybe they had tour bus problems. Testament, Sabotage, and Nuclear Assault. Sabotage made mince meat. I've never seen a band destroy another band in my life. If Testament would have showed up, would have been the same result. Sabotage was on fucking fire. And that night, the DJ at that show played this song. And it was a new song at the time. And I remember going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that that new Overkill? And I even went up to that guy. It's the Overkill, right? Who tends to fire? Go, fucking. At the, song, the, the, at the time, this song was so new. This album was so new to me. I probably heard it maybe two, three times. And when I was in that club and that song played blasting, I was like, fuck, God damn, I love this fucking song. You want to talk about the dark horse on this album. It's fucking who tends to fire, man. The grindiness. And again, they, you know, they slow it down a bit, but they keep it super duper heavy. Who tends to fire rules. It just rules. I love it. It's it's kind of a spooky tune, too. I like I like the spookiness of it. It's awesome. Love it. <laughs> oh man, well, I'll tell you what. I fucking love this too, but I'm thinking like if there's a song on here you don't like that we haven't talked about yet. Now you got me fucking scared, but you know, let's let's keep our attention here on who tends to fire. I fucking love this. Okay, here's the Black Sabbath, you know, sound back again. Uh, you can hear a, a definitive influence on groove metal with this song, uh, which really didn't exist at that time. You know, everybody's like, oh, Pantera invented groove metal. But you can hear the origins here. And a lot of times groove metal gets a bad turn because... It was bastardized so bad, particularly in the mid late 90s. But, you know, like early groove metal, like Pantera and shit like this was fucking amazing. Uh, and what I love here is it, it shows how you can slow down without losing your balls. Because, I mean, I mean, the, everything about the song is heavy, spooky, like Ralph said. And, you know, you can see... Other thrash metal bands, you know, slow down, do more slower tempo shit with with different results. To me, you know, Metallica did it the worst, uh, you know, but a lot of bands did it. Testament did it, you know, uh, you know. But but here in 1989, I mean, holy shit, this is just killer. Killer fucking metal, and, and again, you know, at this point, we got two songs left. We're in track seven, and I gotta say, now I I am with Ralph. He, he did change my mind. I think this is the best Overkill album. Now I still like uh, Horoscope probably the best, but you know, there's a difference between what you like the best. You know, like I always say, you know, Ralph and I always talk about Back in Black versus. Uh, for those about to rock. I like for those about to rock more, but I agree that Back in Black is the better album. Uh, you know, I, I think you can make those distinctions. You can tell, like, you know, your preference between what you know what's right, you know. Uh, ugh, fucking killer track. I'll take the next one, the title track, Years of Decay. 
God damn, is this song epic. Um, this one grew on me, definitely. Uh, and, you know, I'd already loved it by the time I listened to it today. But on my first initial listens to this, I didn't know how to take Blitz singing in, you know, more of a singing voice and not his normal, like, screeching howl. Um, and I think that kind of threw me off. Uh, you know, there's still, there, there's a ballad on, uh, what's the name of the fucking album? It, it's the one overkill song that I cannot stand. It's on From the Underground Below. And I think it's called Promises. Oh, I cannot stand that fucking song. Um, but yeah, it took me, it took me some time to get with him singing this way. But then as the more and more I listen to it, it's like, Fuck, I hear like I hear like early Judas Priest in this song. You definitely hear Sabbath in this song. But yet, you know, when it really kicks into what it is, it's overkill at its essence. I mean I mean when it gets from that slow start to like the chug it chug it chug, I mean it's fucking overkill. And this one is so fucking epic and you know, Ralph could say I'm wrong again here in my research, and very well could be. I mean, I'm just going by what I see on the internet. Um, but I was looking up songs that were played off this album, and here it shows that this wasn't played live until the Bloodletting tour in 2002. Uh, and, it, and it only played live four times. Now, that's recorded, you know, because people submit to... You know, set list what was played at. So, so maybe it was played, and I'm totally fucking wrong here. Maybe Ralph has heard this before. I don't know if he saw him on the Bloodletting tour, but even on the Bloodletting tour, it shows only played four times and only once, or I'm sorry, twice in America. Uh, but to me, this is just fucking epic. Uh, I love this. Every time I hear it, I love this song more and more. I think it's a perfect fucking track. It is different for Overkill, uh, but just fucking amazing. And and this is something I'm hoping for the new album. I really like the two new songs that I've heard, uh, but I would love to see this kind of diversity, uh, you know, change it up a little bit and throw a track like this on the new album. It'd be perfect. I love it. What do you think of the kind of track, Ralph? Well, that is the one I don't like. Really? Wow. Don't like the song. I just, I don't know, man. And it's not because it's ballady, you know. I'd ex you know, it just, to me, it just doesn't work for me. But I will say it is a very loved song by many people, though. I mean, I know I'm in the minority when it comes to not liking this. I get it. People dig it. I just don't. I tried. I still try. It's just, well, today I didn't try. Today I was like, I'm skipping this shit. I, I, I did put this on today on YouTube. I listened to the album. Then when this came, I lost about a minute. I was like, I, I just can't get into this fucking song. Hmm. But now, do you remember them playing this on the tour? You know what? Now that you mention it, this may have not been played that night. May have not been. Yeah, I don't quite remember. I thought they played this whole album, but yeah, it's got, because it's, I, I just don't care for this song that I didn't even pay attention that, you know, if they did play it that night, uh, I forgot that if they did. So maybe they didn't. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it's just not, it kind of ruins the flow for the album, but that's okay. Cause it's at the very tail end. There's only one song left. And what a song that is. My favorite, my favorite off this album. A little bit of a ripoff with Damage Inc. with the beginning with that guitar thing. You know, that little guitar noises trying, you know, before it goes into a total attack mode with Evil Never Dies, and which is their little clever way of saying, well, this is the last song of the Overkill, you know, story. But that, then they brought back, what, Overkill 5 in some later album or something? But this yeah, one, o- Overkill 5, the brand, was on the Relics album. Yeah, with this one, it's END, Evil Never Dies, END. Yeah. This is the end of it. There is a little riff from the original Overkill in this. I think that riff is in all the Overkill songs. And mm-hmm. they play a little bit in this one, not that much. But it's crushing, man. I have a very rare CD that's called Live Kill. That has a uh, yeah, I got that. Yeah, it has a live version of this and Hole in the Sky. They do a great version of Hole in the yep. Sky. And I love, love, love Evil Never Dies. One of my, it's definitely my favorite off this album, and it's one of my all-time favorite Overkill songs. What a crushing, crushing ending to this album. Totally made up for Year of Decay for me. Well, I gotta say, yeah, it's it's Overkill Four, and I fucking love it. Um, my only dilemma with this. And, and, and it's nothing against the song, but I love the title track so much. I almost want that as as the final track. I think it would have been a great closer. But I mean, if you look back on all the previous albums, they all end with an overkill. So it's like, well, how do you break tradition? But to me, uh, again, like I said, I love the title track so much. I could see that being the ending one. But, uh, yeah, I gotta say, Ralph, you did change my mind. I do think this is the best uh, Overkill album. It's just perfection. And the guitar, you know, again, I can see why Bobby loves it so much. It's just fucking amazing. Uh, you know, and a sad fact I was looking at when I was, you know, just looking up the history today as I'm listening to the album multiple times. Overkill doesn't even have one gold record. <laughs> you know, their highest selling record is Horoscope, and I think that might be around 300,000. Uh, you know, this band has just never got, you know, I don't know if respect's the right word because I think they're respected, but, uh, you know, they just never got the notoriety. But I think in. in the long view, that's what's made them what they are today. Because they, they've stayed hungry throughout their career. And, you know, I love the classic lineup. I mean, really, if you want to get technical about the classical lineup, you're talking about, you know, even just the first two with Rat Skates. But I loved what they did with Sid Flack. And then after Bobby left, um, they got Merrick Grant and Rob Caravano. And I think they did an incredible fucking three album run with that lineup I mean you had a horoscope I hear black and WFO which are fucking amazing WFO would be the best out of those three really 
Gasoline Dream. Come on, that album. Ooh. Oh, G- Gasoline Dream is fucking amazing. One of the greatest tracks they ever did. Yeah. Uh, it, that was the last song I listened to before we started recording. Because <laughs> I'd listened to this three times. I was like, okay, I'm going to go through like a history of of Overkill and listen to a track from this album, listen to a track from that album. Uh, yeah, amazing. I love that lineup. After that, they got... Uh, Sebastian Marino, who just passed away. Uh, they had, oh God, what's the other guy that was in during that era? Uh, Joe Camoa or whatever. Uh, I thought they made some great albums with that lineup. For the last 20 years, they've had, uh, uh, had uh, Dave Linsk and Derek Taylor. Uh, I think those guys are fucking amazing. I was so glad because I saw, you know, there was a period where Dave Linsk wasn't touring with them, and uh, they had uh, Phil Demo filled in for a tour and a couple shows, and I was like, oh, fuck. Because um, it's one of those, like, Motorhead. You know, some people only look at, like, you know, the Fast Eddie Clark era of Motorhead, and that's all they care about, and they dismiss everything after it. And I think you're missing a lot of great fucking metal. I think it's the same way with with Overkill. I think every lineup has been strong, and I mean they got Jason Bittner on drums now, who's a beast. And man, I was hoping they would go to the grave with Ron Lipnicki, who uh, you know played on fucking Immortalis, Ironbound, Electric Age, White Devil Armory, uh, Grinding Wheel. I was like, oh god, this is the fucking drummer for fucking. You know, but they had Tim Mallory, who was fucking awesome. Uh, now they got Jason Bittner. Uh, to me, they, they, they just keep on going. Uh, I know you didn't like Grinding Wheel as much as I did. I need to listen to the last one, uh, the, the Wings of War. I, I haven't listened to that one enough to have like a full judgment. I know you didn't care for it, Ralph. But I really like what I heard off of uh, the two new ones from Scorched. So I'm ever optimistic, and again, anytime they come by now, I will never miss another Overkill show. I've seen them twice now, and both times were just fucking amazing. So happy anytime we review this band, and uh, hope to do more Overkill in the future. Yeah, I've seen Overkill way too many times. Like, I, if their next album sucks, then I, I wouldn't mind missing them. But I'll go see Overkill, you know. Strong package comes my way. Well, I always do. Yeah. I even saw that last tour, you know. I even went. But, you know, I've seen them. Whew, I've seen, I guess, every lineup. They took a break from coming to South Florida between um, the underground below, they were here. But they didn't come back till, God, many years after that. And it was one of those gigantors. Oh yeah, for Mega Death. That was the next time they came. And then after that, they they kept coming. So you know, they, yeah. they, they they remembered us then. But they were here for taking over. Uh, I saw them headline on on Under the Influence. Saw them headline every time after that, except for the Gigantor. Every other show I saw Overkill, Horoscope, I hear Black, uh, I, W No, yeah, WFO. Oh, I got to tell this story. The WFO tour. Oh my God. 
Dude, they they booked a show on top of a pet store. Uh, one of those pet <laughs> store like PetSmart or something. It was a club. <laughs> it was a club above a pet store, right? Dude, there was no air conditioner there. They came out. They probably played about 30 minutes, and they left. And, and wow, everybody there was grateful that they stopped because, dude, I, <laughs> I broke my uh, like like I I passed out, literally passed out in the bathroom, and I fell on the floor on my on my uh, arm, and my arm had a piece of meat hanging out of it. There were people passed out all around the club. It was like Club Vietnam. I was like, what the fuck is this show, man? <laughs> and yeah, after the show, you know, we it was we were hanging out with Overkill afterwards. Eve was with me. Eve was on vacation from New York. So, oh wow! Yeah, she was at that show. My God, what a torturous! That might have been the last. No, no, yeah. Underground Below was after WFO, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It was after. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yes. WFO was a disaster. You know, they played about, yeah, like 30 minutes. I do remember Supersonic 8 and a couple other ones, but yeah, that was a fucked up show, man. Like, thank God there was never a show. There was a show there again, Carcass played there, and I love Carcass, but I was like, I ain't going there again. Fuck that. <laughs> I skipped that show, but yeah, Carcass was booked to play there like a week after. I was like, I'm not going to that club ever again. I almost died, man. And yeah, they were even complaining. Like, Blitz was like, yeah, it was rough in there, man. I couldn't breathe. I'm sorry for the short set. It was like, no, nah, it's all right. That shit sucked up there, man. It was horrible. That's my WFO. The, the, the only show I could kind of compare to that is when I saw Uli John Roth, um, which was uh, at the House of Blues in New Orleans. There's the main room, and then there's a small room. And it was the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life. And it was so loud. Like people were walking out. It, it really, it like hurt. It was so loud. And they just refused to turn it down. And I mean, it sounded good, but it, it, it was just, it was hurt your ears fucking loud. And, but it's Uli John Roth, so I couldn't leave. But I was so glad when it was over. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, ow, ow, ow. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, it was, it was so loud you couldn't enjoy it, you know. And I don't know if he did that on purpose. You know, like he was pissed that he was playing the small room instead of the big room. Which, I mean, if you're in the small room, it's like you're in a glorified bar, really. And, uh, or, or he's just that old and death that he couldn't fucking tell i don't know but it yeah it was painful but uh yeah so there's our review of overkill years of decay now it's time for ralph to sing his song so we can go into pick of the week it's the only time see i'm gonna put a little melody into this one it's the only okay. time the only time it's cool to say even before ralph pick of the week all right. Well, my pick of the week is something uh, I know I've picked in the past as pick of the week. But I'm going to beat it into your fucking heads until you get it. Uh, and that is the DVD overkill. Uh, Wrecking Everything and Evening at Asbury Park. And what saddened me 
is, you know, because I, I wanted to, like, you know, tell everybody, go on Amazon and get this fucking thing today. You can't get this thing on Amazon. I think there was one seller, and he wanted, like, retarded money for it, like 60 bucks or whatever. But because I care about you guys so much, and I want you to get this, I went to eBay. And on eBay, I found, like, six copies that you can get for under $30. And this is a two-DVD set. Uh, there is a live show from Asbury Park, New Jersey. This is from the Bloodletting Tour. Uh, this is right when Derek uh, Taylor first joined the band. And, I mean, hold on. I'm going to go through this fucking set list. Just so you have an idea. Because they put out a live album as well called Wrecking Everything. But it's, it's not even half the show. I mean, it sounds good, but it's just like it should have been double CD. And at the time, I think they were on CMC, you know, the Cheesy Metal Cemetery label. But the set list, Necroshine, Thunderhead, Evil Never Dies, Deny the Cross, Wrecking Crew, Power Surge, Gasoline Dream, I Hate, Coma, Shred, Hello from the Gutter, Bleed Me, Long Time Dying, It Lives, Battle, Spiritual Void, The Years of Decay, in Union We Stand, Overkill, Horoscope, Rotten to the Core, Elimination, and Fuck You slash War Picks. A 23-song set list. And what I love is there's at least one song off of every album that they had put out to that time. But not only do you get that concert, which is fucking amazing, you get an incredible overkill documentary that is the history of the band from their inception through the bloodletting album and it's called the bat the batman return charlie speaks that's what they call the bat charlie you got to pronounce it like that charlie um but it is just an incredible documentary and this is one of the best uh you know, music, DVDs, Blu-rays, VHSs, I've ever fucking bought. Unfortunately, because Overkill is a smaller band, I don't know if this will ever get bumped up to Blu-ray. You know, it's definitely not going to be a 4K. Uh, but man, search this out. Do you have this DVD, Ralph? Yeah, yes, I do. It is fucking amazing. Not only the concert, but again... The documentary is an 85, I mean, it's damn near hour and a half documentary of the band that is just incredible. And, and I mean, the documentary is worth it alone, let alone the fucking concert that just has the incredible set list. And that's the unfortunate thing about seeing a band this long in the tooth. Uh, a lot of times when you see Overkill, it's a package tour. Uh, so if you're lucky, you're going to see an hour and a half. And you're going to see, you know, a greatest hit set. You're going to see the new album represented. You know, you're not going to get a chance to see a set list with this kind of diversity in it. That You know, that covers the entire history of the band. So for a super fan like me, this, is, this was a dream set list that I'll probably never get to see live. Um, so I cannot recommend this high enough. Overkill Live, Wrecking Everything, and even Asbury Park. Go on eBay and get you one for under 30 bucks. Highly recommend it. That is my pick of the week. Yeah. You know who opened for them when I saw them on the White Armory Tour? Who that? 
me. That's right. Oh, that's right. Gosh, and I open for overkill, brah. That was awesome. Man, I, I bet. Yeah. I bet. Did you, get to, did you get to hang with the band much? Yeah. Well, just Blitz, really. Blitz is the only yeah. guy in that whole band, really. He's the guy I like yeah. to dwell with the people and shit. Oh, that he does. That he does. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, great DVD. I, I recommend it as well. All right, I'm going to say something that it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a recommendation. You all should like it. Uh, you all should know it and like it. Today, earlier today when I was taking my walk, a certain song came on my iPod shuffle that I had to stop because I didn't want to hear that song. I wanted to hear the fucking album. First Iron Maiden album. You cannot mm. get better than that, dude. What the fuck? Productions, Barrett? Are you on crack? Fuck you, Steve Harris. I love the production on that First Maiden album. The chainsaw guitars and, and fucking uh, running free. The crazy, proggy, punky Phantom of the Opera. Transylvania, Strange World Sanctuary, Charlotte the Harlot, dude. Dude, Charlotte the fucking Harlot. And, dude, Remember Tomorrow. I'll never forget seeing that album in 1980, walking into Specs Records, and I saw that album cover. I didn't know who Iron Maiden was. We didn't know. I saw that album cover. I was like, I am not leaving the store without this. When I got home and I put that needle and I heard Prowler for the first time, I was like, whoa, whoa. This album is as good as the album cover. The first Iron Maiden, Viva Dennis was, Devin and Stratton fucking rules. And in my opinion, with Paul Diano, they did no wrong. With the great Clive Burr on drums, Steve Harris, Dave Murray, that first Iron Maiden album to me will always reign as the greatest Iron Maiden album and the greatest new wave of British heavy metal album of all time. Thank you. Well, I absolutely love that album as well. Uh, I did read a really cool interview with the producer of that. Will Malone is the guy who produced the first uh, Maiden album. And they asked him, like, you know, what do you think about, you know, Steve Harris boohooing on your production? And I, I loved his answer. And he goes, it is what it is, but one thing I can tell you for sure is only cool kids make fun of Sammy Hagar. I read that same interview. That shit was awesome. <laughs> and I was like, how do you argue with that? And how do you argue with the first Iron Maiden album? I mean, for a long time, that was my favorite Paul Diano. It's, I would say in the last 20 years, um, I gravitate more towards Killers. But, I mean, you can't go wrong with either one. I mean, it's like, you know, what's your, you know, what's your favorite Dio uh, with Sabbath? Is it Heaven, Hell, or Mob Rules? I mean, there's no wrong answer. It's just an opinion. Um, they're both incredible fucking albums. And, uh, yeah. I, I, I wish Iron Maiden would go back and listen to that album before they make another album. Maybe that would help. I, I wish they'd have... I wish they'd have Will Malone produce it instead of fucking Kevin Shirley. That's who they need to get away from. It won't work. That Bruce Dickinson thing. There's no way it's going to be that good. Yeah, you're right. 
All right. Well, now it's time to go into fan of the week. And holy shit, do we have a legend here. Another one of our crazy fucking fans from Down Under, Michael Lynch. And this guy is just such a fucking super fan and such an asset to the show. And, you know, one I particularly want to thank for helping out during a really dark time. You know, Ralph, when you and I were seeing other people and uh, (laughs) I was sorely sorely not only missing your contributions but your editing skills and you know fans were reaching out and helping me edit uh there was none that did better than michael lynch who is an actual producer in real life and uh man he just helped me out immensely and he's a huge fan of this show has been there for a long time and man to pick one like this and he hit the nail on the head and i thought it was so sweet what he said uh, because I did miss that he had another donation. Uh, but I know this guy. I mean, he, you know, if he says it, then I missed it. And he said, you know what? I love you guys so much. And I know you're you're sick of these fan episodes. He goes, if it wasn't one I knew that you'd love, I'd just say, fuck it. But man, he made the right choice. This is something that we would have done anyway. And man we're just so lucky to have these guys and i've said it a gazillion times you know if there's one place i could fucking visit to go see our fans outside of the the u.s and we have amazing fans in canada uh, you know and throughout europe and shit you know and you know fuck those two guys from france i mean i like them but you know fuck you you frog-eating bastard i want to go to australia hang out with michael lynch fucking adam marshall Fucking Jack Roberts, fucking uh, even that fruitcake T.J. James, <laughs> probably does like Sammy Hagar, and, and and that's the guy. You know, a lot of people are you know freaking out about uh, John Five, uh, you know, replacing Mick Mars. I think we need T.J. James to replace Vince Neal. I would go see that. Yeah. I, I would. I would pay. I would pay for a meet and greet to see fucking <laughs> Motley Crue with T.J. James. But get back to, to Michael Lynch. I mean, you are just amazing. Um, everything you've done for the show, all the support you've shown, uh, the multiple, multiple donations from this guy. Uh, man, we really appreciate it. And I, I don't know what it is about you kangaroo fuckers, man, but you guys are the craziest and most dedicated. And we love you to fucking bits, man. What do you Thank think, Ralph? Thank you. I uh, hope uh, you did the show proud when you edited this. You had me in mind because if you didn't, then I don't believe Ian. It must have sucked. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he did amazing. It, I even got feedback, like, specifically about him. <laughs> you know, when you were gone, you're like, wow, finally it sounds like, you know, the Rock and Metal Combat. Well, you know, without, you know, you weren't there, but you know what they're saying? That level of professionalism and that's not a slight against you know the other guys well there's one guy that did a pretty bad job but uh you know michael is i mean it's what he does he's he's a very successful producer and you know and man somebody of that caliber that loves what we do holy shit what a great guy and uh hope you enjoyed this episode brother yeah i i thank you we have the coolest we have the coolest fans but no more all right 
Fuck, yeah. <laughs> fuck the future fans. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, if you stick around long enough, we'll probably get people who would like would accept Sammy Hagar, and then you know, it's like you're not yeah. cool anymore. I'm so happy with the following. This 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 podcast has a page called the RMCP Army. You know? Yeah. It's like I'm so proud of the people that like us. It's like. You know, it's kind of like South Florida. It's like, stop coming in South Florida. The traffic sucks. And I want to say that to everybody. <laughs> stop listening to our show. If you're not a fan now, I don't want you to listen to it. Don't never plug the show. No reason to plug it. Because I want it to stay at the level. Well, well, you would be happy because, you know, I used to, when we first started out and I had all these delusions of grandeur that we would quit our day jobs and we were going to be, you know, the biggest thing since Beavis and Butthead. Uh, I used to share this show on like 50 fucking pages. And now I share the show on five. <laughs> and it's pretty much for that reason. It's like the people who get us, get us. And, you know, word of mouth does help. A lot of people who listen to the show have told other people. And the cool people stick around and... You know, the fair, the flakes don't. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with what we have. I'm fine with the level we're at. Yeah. Um, because we do it on our terms. And we do the quality that we believe in. And the people who love us fucking love us. Now, buy a t-shirt and show me you love me. Um, <laughs> you know, man, we have the best fucking fans. And... And I don't want no more fans. I think we're good enough with who we have. Uh, no, no, Johnny, come lately. Y'all missed the boat. Fuck off if this is the first time you're here. Yeah. Fuck the fuck off. Be <laughs> cool fans as it is. Y'all, you new listeners, can kiss my big black ass. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and if you are a new listener, you better say, oh, I've been listening for years and Sammy Hagar sucks. And you know, say my name before he ends. Yeah, yeah, or we'll know you. You know you're full of shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you like this episode, come back next week when we're doing yet again another fan paid episode on our countdown to the end of the fan episodes and our countdown to Rock and Pod. What is it, five or six now? One of those. Fucking show up and hang out with us. Hell Bring yeah. your street drugs. And come back next week right here to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. And fuck you and your new mom if you are a new listener. <laughs> fuck yeah. Fuck you and your mom if you're a new listener. Yeah, and if you are yeah, if you're a new listener, buy a t-shirt and say, Oh, I've been here for years. Yeah, lie. Because or else I'm just gonna tell you to fuck <laughs> off. And that your mom sucks. Yeah, available in many colors. Manscaped! <laughs>